Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Good afternoon, sports fans. What is going on? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. A big one tonight as the Jets are in the midst of back-to-back games in California. A uh, tough one last night, losing to the upstart San Jose Sharks. We'll uh, chop that up uh, coming up over the next little bit. And... It's tough to find uh, Bones after the game, but we do have Rick Bones, uh, Rick Bonus's thoughts on the game, as well as Cole Perfetti from San Jose. And then we get ready for the LA Kings tonight. A little Gabriel Velarde revenge game, potentially. Of course, Velarde got injured against his old team in the third game of the season. Is back now in Kyle Connor's spot, up with uh, Mark Scheifele and Nikolai Ehlers on that top line. We'll get a chance to... Stick it to Blake Lazat and his former team tonight. And, of course, the big development yesterday was that Loren Brassois got the start in the first of back-to-back. Very unusual for the way the Winnipeg Jets usually handle their goaltenders. But that means it's Hellebuck time tonight against the Los Angeles Kings. So uh, we'll get to all of that coming up. We will head down to SoCal and talk to our buddy Dennis Bernstein um, Dennis is always our go-to guy when we're talking Kings, but we do have another firing in the National Hockey League when it comes to head coaches. Um, we'll talk about some of the other big stories in and around the uh, the league. And then we'll hook up with Murata Tesh, who uh, will be down in L.A. tonight for the game at Crypto.com Arena. So we're looking forward to having Murata on. And then later on, we said we'd do this this week, and this should be real fun. One of our favorites, Jeff Malata, the Manitoba Moose, who was undoubtedly the star of the Manitoba Moose Christmas video that if you have not seen yet already, uh, you need to watch it. It is absolutely masterfully done by everybody behind the scenes, by all the players on the team, and especially Jeff. So we'll talk uh, about the season so far, about making the video, about the holidays, check in on his uh, UFC brother, uh, proper Mike Malott. Really looking forward to having Jeff on the program. Um, so listen, welcome to everybody in chat. Great to see you all. Tough one last night, but we will get to it. And uh, hit that thumbs up button. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. And let's get to it. Um, big shout out to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Our friends at Cool Bet. We just uh, cranked out the lock shop. Got another partner parlay, including the Jets tonight. We'll talk about that later on in the program. Of course, the gang of Princess Auto, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, the Winnipeg Jets, Sport Manitoba, and Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries, Nick and Nicky DQ, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, Modern Man, and of course, a why not question of the day for our friends over at Nod Auto Corp at Waverly and McGilvery. Um, let's get Michael Remus in here. Remo, uh, what's going on? How are you? Yeah, I'm just getting ready. I stay up for another uh, late one tonight. Back to back, 9.30 starts. Love to see it. And, yeah, it was a late one last night. And tough staying up late and watching the Sharks take the, you know, hit the go-ahead goal on a power play at 15.09 and watch the Jets have an opportunity and complete the... I don't know. I want to say golden sombrero on the power play, but oh, oh for five, not ideal. And uh, Rick Bonus said special teams certainly a factor, and uh, that was a winnable game. Uh, I thought Lauren Brossois played great. Another solid one from him. 
stopping 30 of 32 and uh you know another sharks goalie shutting the door on them although on that power play i think maybe a, a bit too much time passing around uh the perimeter and couldn't really get it inside to the scoring areas yeah no there, there's no doubt about that hey listen just before we kind of dive into last night's game um and Remo, maybe fire up that holiday aew graphic if you have it oh, um sure. Because I did want to promise to get this out early for podcast listeners and everybody there. We mentioned that AEW is coming. We've got Beat the Box Office tickets. You can go to winnipegsportstalk.com and enter to win a pair of Beat the Box Office tickets on the website. And join us tomorrow on the program where we will be giving away another pair of Beat the Box Office tickets. But I know there's many AEW fans and wrestling fans that want to get seats for Christmas, the holidays. We've got a hookup for you folks because the pre-sale has just begun in the last hour and we've got the pre-sale code for WST listeners. The passcode for the pre-sale, which is on right now, is AEWWPG. So if you'd like to go in and get the best tickets you can possibly can right now on the pre-sale, it is open until Thursday, tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Um, and again, the passcode is AEW Winnipeg, um, and that is all done through Ticketmaster. I'm not sure, if Remus, if you've got that link from, the, um, from that email but we can tag that up and uh, maybe put that in the uh, put a, in the chat for people that come in. Sure. We had such a good time at that last AEW event. I mean, uh, we were definitely going to be back there. Look, look at the Winnipeg guys. Top billing. Kenny Omega, Don Callis, Chris Jericho. And if you've missed it, Jericho and Omega, the Winnipeg natives, are now a tag team called the Golden Jets, uh, which is definitely cool. It's April 10th, the return to Winnipeg. Um, but again, we wanted to take care of the wrestling fans with the crew. If you do want to get seats now, the pre-sale is on and the code AEWWPG. And again, go to our website and make sure to join us tomorrow for a couple of pairs of beat the box office tickets. And we're going to be able to do some fun promos with the folks at AEW over the next few months heading into the spring and that event on the 10th. Yeah, winnipegsportstalk.com slash AEW. Uh, we do have a contest running. We'll give away two tickets on Friday. And if you're listening live tomorrow at the end of the show, we'll give away a couple more. So the entries are coming in. Uh, this should be a great event, and I'm looking forward to attending. Again, Winnipeg brings it uh, for the pro wrestling. Yeah, you know, it, uh, it's your boy Bruce. Epic show last March. Uh, and Patrolman Pete. I remember watching Don Callis wrestling at various local establishments back in the day. <laughs> no doubt about it. Formerly the natural uh, on many local indie scenes. Um, and a guy that's been all around the world. One of the most loquacious um, speakers in the game of pro wrestling. And obviously international superstars in Winnipeggers Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho. The rest of the crew. Hopefully MJF will come in. I guess that's a little bit later than his 
What did we have last time? It was the rebar mitzvah of, yeah, uh, a- of MJH, MJF. Who can, who can ever forget the rebar mitzvah f- uh, celebrations here in the peg? It was incredible. And we were with my friend Benji. He made sure we were prepared. Brought us a, a nice kippah for, for that one. It was an elite, it was an elite move. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing whatever MJF has uh, cooked up in the ring there April 10. And the hometown guys, uh, it's exciting. Uh, they're coming back so soon. I wasn't sure if uh, this was going down. It is going down again. Pre-sale on right now. AEWWPG if you want to get in on that and uh, join us tomorrow for a chance to win a pair of tickets. All right. Yeah, Remo. So, I mean, you sort of nailed it. I mean, there was a few things that really stand out from yesterday's game. And from my perspective, um, <laughs> you mentioned the power play. Like, is this is what life looks like without Kyle Connor? <laughs> I think it's going to take a little bit, um, certainly for that power play to get going, and hopefully it doesn't take too long because that, in a lot of ways, was the difference in the game. I mean, I, I will say this. First of all, huge credit to LB. Um, the Jets did not have a great start, and at one point, I believe the shots were 11-3, 12-3 or so. I mean, about the first 10 minutes, the Sharks, to their credit, really came out, jumped on the Jets, it had plenty of good scoring chances. From that point on, though, for the better part of the next 40, 45 minutes, I thought the Jets absolutely dominated the game. I mean, the top line was moving the puck in and ripping it around with ease, but they couldn't score. And at times, Remo, the Lowry-Appleton-Niederreiter line was just destroying the Sharks. They'd lose the puck. They'd just go right back and get it. Um, cycling, chances. But, man, Mackenzie Blackwood was uh, was awesome. And they hung around. The Sharks hung around in that game. The Jets, I really feel like if the Jets got a goal there in the second period with all those chances earlier on in the third, they probably win comfortably. But the Sharks hung around. And then the issues on special teams popped up. Um, you know, listen, nice movement of the puck, a nice shot, got past Loren Brassois on what, well, I know you were just rewatching the penalty. You can give me, a, it didn't seem like a very egregious move to call two minutes in a 1-1 game, but it happened. And then the Jets had their own power play opportunity as well as six on five, but just were not able to generate the chances or at least get the pucks through. They had the puck. They passed it around. They shot it a lot, but it didn't seem like they got through. And uh, I think we just saw what San Jose's done to a lot of other teams. They've hung around. They've sold out for their goaltender. They've done what they could do to avoid getting lit up 10-1 like they were earlier in the season. And for a Jets team that had been going gangbusters in a lot of different areas, I thought that they played, you know, to that level for the majority of the game, but they just weren't able to get one. And uh, a guy like uh, 81 sure would have looked good last night in the Jets lineup. But as we talked about yesterday, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case for the next uh, couple months. Yeah, Mike McIntyre reporting uh, he's out four to, sorry, six to eight weeks. The Jets have declined to uh, – Rick Bonus didn't say a timetable yesterday. Uh, Mike McIntyre did report Kyle Connor returned – to Winnipeg, and today, Hus, the Jets did announce a roster move where they called up Dominic Conanato from the Moose on an emergency basis and have put Kyle Connor on injured reserve. I'm not sure what that means, why they did an emergency call-up and not a standard call-up. 
Um, but something to watch is, you know, maybe there is some hope that he is not going to be out for the full six to eight week period. But as far as the game, I, you know, I had to rewatch that penalty. And it's funny, um, the DeMello penalty, he was very not happy, gave the ref the stare down after. And it looked like a pretty innocent play. I don't know, him and, um, was it Eklund or Granlin? I forget, one of their players got kind of tangled up. And DeMello kind of got his arm in between the players, like, arm and the body and maybe he reached in a little but it seemed like a, a nothing play that the guy had already fallen that I think DeMello was impeding his progress at all wasn't preventing the guy from scoring in fact you know Dan Robertson said it was Nemestikov who got the penalty not 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 uh, DeMello because it was such a nothing play he had no idea what they were calling and you know we can blame you can sit here and try to blame the penalty but that isn't why they lost. They couldn't score. I mean, you score one goal, you're, you're not going to win many games. You go, you know, 0 for 5 on the power play. That's not how you win. And, you know, for saying, oh, they missed Kyle Connor, they missed Kyle Connor. Well, their power play wasn't that great with Kyle Connor, according to uh, a number of chatters here. And at times it certainly, it certainly wasn't, but you know that he's a guy who can put the puck in the net. And I just feel, you know, you look at the, the power play, too much just passing on the outside, passing up shots, trying to get that perfect play they kind of get sucked in into saying okay we need this perfect play to score and San Jose they did a great job collapsing they took it away they couldn't get to the front of the net and I don't know when I see Mark Scheifele moving slow uh, with his ass on the boards and not closer to the net um, it just seems like things slow down and they're not taking shots and not creating chances um, you got, they got to be getting more to the high danger areas and it just wasn't there and I know you wanted them to get that that tying one, and they got had a chance at the end too, but it just uh, they they couldn't score on Blackwood. Another give me flashbacks to James Reimer against the Jets uh, from last year, but Blackwood he's been oh. he's been solid for them at times. Yeah, no, listen, Blackwood was really good, but I think you correctly noted mm-hmm. just how good the Sharks were, kind of in front of the net. Yeah, like they were more than happy to have Josh Morrissey quarterback it from the top, have Ehlers and Shifley on the sides. They seem to be trying to get it more to Ehlers for the one-timer, and I don't know how many shot attempts he had. We can look that up, but there was plenty of them. But a lot of them didn't make it to the net, missed the net. Um, and, and, and what the Sharks were doing really well was having two defensemen, in most cases, right in front of the net that prevented Velarde or Ayafalo, whoever was out there at the time, to, uh, to bang in rebounds. And... Uh, I mean, this is going to be a work in progress right now. I mean, everything changes up on that top line, but particularly on that top power play unit without Kyle Connor there. Um, and it wasn't like they weren't able, they were they were getting the zone with ease. And they were doing that at five on five as well. But they just were not able to move the puck quickly. And I think the movement as well from the players was like when the Jets power play has looked stale, It they're moving the puck, but not really moving the personnel. And... Um, listen, they're going to get a few chances tonight, you know, likelihood on the power play, and it is going to need to be better because, I mean, it was a difference last night against a team like the Los Angeles Kings. You know that you've got to take advantage of as many of those opportunities as possible. And uh, a power outage on the PP not only costs you those opportunities, but can also really give a lot of momentum to the other team. And that's something they'll want to avoid tonight. Yeah, just looking at shot attempts, Nikolai Ehlers, he had nine Shot attempts, only three of them 
managed to get on goal. And Neil Pionk, he was third on the team in shot attempts. And only one of them uh, on the goal. And Josh Morrissey, he led the team with 10 shot attempts. And uh, seven of them went on the goal. And, you know, for guys like Ehlers and Pionk, you can't score. If you don't get it on net, some of those are uh, getting blocked. Some of them, you know, going high and wide. And my biggest pet peeve is when it was the Vander Kane special has uh, coming down the board, shoot it wide and have it ring oh. all, all the way, all the way down, uh, all the way down to the other end. One thing we didn't touch on, uh, we haven't mentioned the Jets. You know, going with a little lineup change coming in. Uh, we talked pretty much a lot the last couple weeks here. The sixth defense spot is it Stanley? Is it Chisholm? Is it uh, Nate Schmidt? Well, they went with the eleven and seven yesterday. Axel. Uh, Jonsson Fjallby not playing, not in the lineup. And they went with Schmidt and Stanley going using Schmidt on PP2. Stanley uh, on the penalty kill. And Rick Bonus did say after they won't be doing that tonight. And, uh, I, you know, I... Good. Some, yeah, and as someone who's, you know, played some hockey before, I mean, you want to have that continuity in the lines. And this is a team that's prided themselves in going rolling four lines, being common. You like Axel's speed. Um, I don't know if like, do you need Samberg and it's not Samberg. You need Schmidt and Stanley. A lot of teams you could pick one and no, not and not have to have it all mixed up on forwards and on D. Gives everyone a little more consistency. And I, I think we can all agree. Like Schmidt has been like he's been fine this year. Has it's just you know his salary is a lot, but doesn't take away from but you know in his role as a third pair D, uh, he has been solid at that and. I don't know what this means for. Uh, we'll see who the sixth D is tonight. I, I don't know. Are they going to go go back to Logan Stanley? Is going to be Schmidt? Is it going to be Chisholm? Uh, we will see tonight against the LA Kings. I would bet it's going to be Schmidt, mm-hmm. but it, it there has been some interesting defense uh, decisions over the course of the last two weeks. I mean, ever since Chisholm got in for Schmidt in that game against the uh, against the Blackhawks, and I, I mean. I wouldn't mind to see Chisholm at one point. Chisholm is a guy that might be able to help the power play as well. So I think that is one thing that maybe helps him get into the lineup at some point over the next little bit. But, you know, when you look last night at the uh, at the numbers, like Nate Schmidt actually played, uh, well, he played more. Basically, the guys, Sandberg, Stanley, and Schmidt, all were relatively close um, although not a lot of even strength time on ice for Sandberg. Sandberg only played 738 at even strength, but spent 324 on the ice killing penalties. Um, Nate Schmidt was on the ice 1155 even strength and another 259 on the power play for almost 50 minutes. And Stanley, even strength, 1019 and 40 seconds shorthanded. And unfortunately, he was... Uh, he was part of the circumstances that led to the winning goal by the San Jose Sharks. But I thought Ken made a good point on KNR last night, uh, and I agree with this 100%. The Jets have been a four-line team. The fourth line has been playing really, really well. Um, it, I don't think the benefit of having that extra defenseman outweighs the ability to just roll four lines the way the team has when they've been rolling right now. So... Uh, I certainly expected to get back to 12-6, and I guess the big question, we can kind of get pick Marat's brain for this a little later on, is who will be going in on that JetBlue, or uh, who will be uh, the sixth defenseman um, and how the lines look 
presumably with Axel coming back in. Yeah, I I, you know, I would probably go Lean Schmidt, but it seemed like Chisholm didn't really get much of a shot. Like Stanley got in uh, four games in a row here. Chisholm got the one game, played well, and then the next game he's in us. They go 7-D and couldn't seem to get into a rhythm. Um, I know we're sitting here arguing well, the sixth defenseman has who plays hey, like that's that that's what it's all about. I guess that's what we got to do here. Um, the rest of the positions are set. So I think Schmidt. I thought he had never played, you know, like he deserved to be uh, taken out. And I know that a lot of people in our chat and online saying, "Well, are they showcasing Logan Stanley for a trade?" I think you got to try to win games and put the guy in the lineup who helps you win the most. And I think that's Schmidt. Could be Chisholm. We haven't re- we haven't seen him. He hasn't been given. A fair shot, really. So uh, you know what? Yeah. I I think it's poll time. I yeah. think it's poll time. In Who are the you chat. putting in? Why not question of the day for not Autocorp at Waverly and McGillivray? If you were making the call, who is the sixth defenseman tonight? Is it Nate Schmidt? Is it Logan Stanley? Is it Declan Chisholm? This is going to be interesting. I think there'll be very many mixed opinions on this. So Remo will put that up in the chat. Who you got for the six D? What an epic Winnipeg sports talk question. Yeah. Let's talk about who should be the sixth defenseman tonight. Uh, but, hey, here we are. That's that's the why not question of the day, and that's what people in the chat are going to be voting for. Oh, wait. Schmidt, Stanley, or Chisholm. Um, make that uh, make that happen. Um, we're going to have Dennis Bernstein jump on with us right away. Um, you, Remo, just, we'll get back to the Bones clips a little later on, but can you just play number three? Uh, Bones' just final thoughts on the game. Um, We'll hear his thoughts on the power play and whatnot before Marat joins us later on. But um, this was Bones after the game, a frustrating loss to a San Jose team that's frustrated a lot of teams lately. Um, Bones sort of final thoughts on the team's 2-1 loss yesterday uh, before they take on the Kings tonight. We had our chances to win the game. Blackwood made a lot of big saves at the right time, and we just couldn't get that second goal. And uh, both goalies played outstanding. We got a great game from LB again. Their goalie was huge, and it was probably more chances than the score would indicate. Uh, and again, it goes back to the special teams making the difference in a tight game like that. Sorry, just to go 11-7. Was that? Did you have any second thoughts just with another game tomorrow? Worried about the ice time for your forwards? Not tonight, but tomorrow we'll go back to 12 and 6. Yeah. All right. So, uh, no 11 and 7 tonight for the Winnipeg Jets. We'll have Marat join us from LA a little bit later on. But uh, we're going to hit LA right away with our guy from the fourth period, Dennis Bernstein. Just before we bring in DB, folks, the holidays are here. And our friends at Canadian Club have a CC for every occasion heading into the holidays. Right now, whether it's for gift options or enjoying over the holidays, Canadian Club favorites are on sale all month long at Manitoba Liquor Mart's original 100% rye and the CC Classic 12-year-old. Not to mention limited stock available left of the Canadian Club Invitation Series CC 15-year-old Sherry Cask. The signature CC Classic 12-year-old whiskey finished with a secondary aging in Oloroso sherry casks. All the hallmarks of the classic Canadian club with the added richness and sweetness of sherry. Um, The invitation series launched last month. Get it before it's gone, both to enjoy 
and as a great gift for that whiskey lover in the family. And hey, this holiday and always, please enjoy responsibly. A shout out to the gang over at Manitoba Battery getting us ready to make it through the extremes of the Winnipeg winter. Nothing worse than being stuck on the side of the road, calling for a tow or somebody to come and boost you. Make sure your battery is ready for Winnipeg winter and get the best prices in town, period, at Manitoba Battery, beating the pants off the big box stores. What you want to do is go to manitobabattery.com, check out everything they've got and order online, or give them a call at 783-8787. Donnie and the gang will deliver that battery to you for free anywhere in Winnipeg. It's just that easy with any purchase over 60 bucks. And hey, if you do want a battery test to see where you're at or you're in the neighborhood, pop by and see them at Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan Avenue. Fellas, some of you uh, maybe want to get, get a quick cut to look good for the holidays. Well, you know where to do that. Modern Man Barber Shop, now with eight locations in Winnipeg, including the newest locations on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern Man has you covered, fellas, with a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Make an appointment and book your look via modernmanbarber.com. Make sure to give them a follow as well on Instagram at Modern Man Barbershops. And just before we bring in DB, uh, friends at Aquatech are planning for 2024. Maybe you've got a home renovation project you want to dive into in the new year. Well, whole home renos start with Aquatech. With thousands of renovations as their foundation, Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. If you're ready to enhance your kitchen, bathroom, or even add a man cave to your home, visit aqua-tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options. All right, lots to chop up with one of our faves, Dennis Bernstein from the fourth period. DB, what's going on? How are you? Doing great, Hustler. Hopefully, if the Jets lose tonight, they won't whine like your quarterback does in KC when he loses. Listen, it's, you know, talk to you. you can beat it right off the bat. This, <laughs> oh, you've triggered me right off the bat. I know, I've been, I know. I've been in job. the mud. I've been in the mud for the last few days with people with one and two followers. I have no idea why. <laughs> I, the besmirching of the great Patrick Mahomes is outrageous. The call was outrageous. You didn't hear him say anything when MVS got tackled on the five-yard line on Monday night the week before, and yet now he's a big complainer. I know you were having fun with me, though. Let's get to the hockey. Um, Actually, just quickly before we get to the hockey, this entire – Remus, don't even go there. (laughs) Podcast (laughs) listeners, he's now putting up a picture of a pissed-off Mahomes just to get me going even more. Um Dennis, we had the craziest Friday here, uh, thinking that Shohei Otani was on a bird (laughs) to Toronto, getting jacked around and worked by all these insiders who now look like complete idiots. How, uh, how, how was the Otani, what was the Otani story like from your perspective down in LA and what's been the aftermath since, uh, he agreed to that record setting deal. That was a, a very unique one. I don't want to further and put the knife even deeper in, but I don't think he was ever going to Toronto, to be honest with you. Uh, I love the joke, though. There's been one joke going around, Hustler, that the A's were the fourth team, and they offered a dollar a year for 700 million years. So that was uh, – I love that 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 joke. Look, sometimes people get it wrong. The guy I really feel sorry for is John Morosi, who also covers the NHL and hockey and does junior hockey as well, and he really, really – 
it took him a couple of days to bounce back from that. And, you know, it's it, sometimes you want to be first. Sometimes you want to be right. Uh, I, I just see him not leaving California, not leaving Southern California. And, of course, with the way they structure it, when he can get $68 million a year when he's not playing, of course you're going to do that. So, uh, look, the Jays would have been competitive. I'm sure they stepped up. I don't really believe the stuff about them dropping NHL rights if Otani had signed. I don't think one has nothing to do with the other. I, I never hustled. I never expected him to leave Southern California. I really didn't. So well, I thought no the one Dodgers did had either until yeah. all these people that are apparently in the know are telling us all that he's going to Toronto, that he's on the way. Sportsnet yeah. and Major League Baseball are boosting these things. I mean, Morosi, he was a regular on the Fan 590, the flagship station yeah. of the Jays up until this point. I have a feeling it might be a long, long time before they bring back old John on the air. And you know what? I I sort of went with you. And just before we move on to hockey, like I was asking Jeff Hamilton about this just from, I mean, sure. I'm not a journalist. I've never been or pretended to be one. Right. I do wonder about... Like if if like if CAA or people purposely fed and confirmed erroneous information with Morosi, with the intention of playing the Jays to get more money out of the Dodgers, mm-hmm. like there's a major career um, effect on a guy like Morosi. Like I I wonder yeah. if at any point like you know, he could sue the people that did that for them. I mean, imagine losing your job because someone manipulated you. I mean, it's kind of borderline fraud if that was – I'm not suggesting that as the way that went out, but that's certainly something that's been speculated and up in the air. And that guy's name is Mud, and you know yeah. that your word is so important when you're one of these insiders. To get embarrassed like that has a long-term effect on probably your earning power and certainly your reputation. Yeah, well, I respect all of John Schwarzkoster, but he jumped the gun. It's as simple as that. And the, the one thing that mitigates the fact that it was a ploy to get the Jays to boost their – you talk to the when you talk to the Giants about this, they said, "Yeah, we had the same offer, and we were comfortable with it." And he chose to stay in Southern California, so that mitigates that a little bit. Again, it, it's tough. Look, we've all done this in this business, or we get intel, we get fit intel. And you know, the other guy who was involved was J.P. Hoonster, who I know here from Southern California, he used to cut, cover the Kings, a really good guy. Sometimes you get duped, and if it if that's the way it really spilled out, I feel bad for those guys. I have to bounce back from it from saying, okay, I made a mistake. They both made apologies. You move on from their hustler. So I think that's that's the key. But it's could you sue someone if you lost your job? I guess it would get complex. But again, at the time you weren't naming your sources either. So that was that's part of the problem, is that when you get information, you know, how you know the business? 90% of the stuff I get told I can't repeat. Right? I could use it for background information. I could use it as my own opinion, but I can't say X, Y, or Z said that this is going to happen, this trade's going to go down. It's the risk you run in this business. feel bad for both guys. Um, I've never really been the subject to that magnitude. And here's the thing, Hustler. We, we could get, uh, you know, uh, Robinson for a seventh-round pick wrong. You can't get Otani to the Jays wrong. Yeah. And the magnitude of this player and what he means to uh, sports in general, not just baseball, that that is impactful on everybody when you get it wrong. Hey, let me ask you this: How, What's your uh, what's the average ticket price per game for your seats at uh, at Dodger Stadium? How how much you got to fork out to go see Otani in the uh, highest pay, highest payroll in, in in the game? We just picked new seats. We haven't got the bill yet, and I'm worried. <laughs> we we wanted to sit in the shade this year. We said it. We said it feel level. We were on the visitor side, 
And it, because, you know, the, the Dodger Stadium, the way it's laid out, we, we're in the sun a lot, of that, especially for day games. You know, Hustler, here's the thing. Nobody wants to go to a day game in Los Angeles in July. Like it's because there's, there's no clouds. It's 95 degrees, so we move. But I, I'm, I'm fretting that bill from the Dodgers because, you know, maybe not this season, but certainly in future seasons because, you know, you can say, hey, look, he's going to pitch in two years, so now we're definitely going to raise your prices. So it's going to be really interesting to see. But, I mean, they're already selling gear, right? They're already saying now that what they did with respect to replica jerseys for the Dodgers, they never had uh, red numbers like they have on the, the normal standard jerseys. Well, they started to do that with Otani. I got an email in my inbox yesterday. There's already Otani gear being sold. So they'll make up their money not only on ticket prices, but certainly – on all the merchandise that'll sell over the 10 year period. No, there's no doubt about it. And for everyone else, the Dodgers are the new Yankees, the most hated team in baseball <laughs> that chokes every year in the playoffs, but Absolutely. they are the team that uh, everyone will be gutting for. That being said, still love Otani and it is uh, going to be fun watching him do his thing, even if it's there and not north of the border. Uh, listen, there's a bunch of stuff going on in the NHL I wanted to hit with you, but let's first start off with this game tonight. I mean, the Kings overall have had such a great start. Um, but the last road trip finished up with a bit of a skid, back-to-back losses to the Islanders and the Rangers. And now it's back home for the Winnipeg Jets. Where is the where is this team right now as we look forward to puck drop tonight, Dennis? Well, you mentioned the last two games of the road trip, Hustler. And the Islander game to me was a little bit more egregious than the Ranger game. When I looked at the Ranger game, that's a really great team right now. You know, better record than the Rangers. And you knew Quick was going to play. So how much money was on the board in that game? Like that, to me, when I looked at that game, that was a schedule loss. The Onler game, you're up 2-0. You control the game with six minutes to go, and you wind up not winning and breaking your streak. That was a little surprising. Now, the, the bigger issue coming out of the road trip is not 2-1-1. One, and one. They're a top-three team. They could contend with Vegas for the, for the Pacific Division title. With me, it's the health. And in the Islander game, Anders Lee hit Vlad Gavrikov knee on knee. Came back in the game, played the first period of the Rangers game, sat out. He's not going to play tonight, but it looks like they've avoided major injury with Vlad Gavrikov. Now, they do have that organizational depth. If Gav was out for a while, you'd probably see Grant Clark second go around in the NHL, which wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. But this team is tight defensively. They're getting great play from Cam Talbot. He, he wasn't morning skate this morning, so I assume you're going to get him tonight um, in net for the Kings. It, it, it's a team, and, and you know, well, Costa, I can talk to you about this because you're Canadian. When I went to Montreal, all they obsessed about was the 1-3-1 that they play right? and how it's anti-hockey and it's boring hockey. I'm like, I don't know, the team that led the league in scoring, I don't really think they're boring. So they play that 1-3-1 to a T. Um, they don't give up a lot of high-danger chances. So it's incumbent upon the Jets tonight, like they didn't do when the Kings were in, in Winnipeg, to finish their chances. They have to because they're not going to get a lot of opportunities in front of Cam Talbot. This playing, team is playing excellent defensively. And they do score a lot of goals. So this boring narrative that came out of Montreal, and mind you, the only market it came out of, um, I, I, I giggle when I hear it. Yeah, well, they got shut down uh, for nothing. And to be honest, that game you mentioned, game three of the season, um, was maybe the most frustrating for the Jets all year long. And you mentioned about finishing the chances. It's also not getting behind. Because the one thing yeah. that you find, like when you're down to the LA Kings – Islander game notwithstanding, more often than not, you have a tough time even setting up shop in the other team's end. I mean, the way that 1-3-1 will really frustrate you if you are chasing the game. And 
I'll tell you what, the Jets left a lot on the table last night against the San Jose Sharks. Um, so maybe they're due to capitalize on a few of these chances right now. Um, but you're exactly right. And the one thing that you do not want to be is playing catch up against a Kings team that holds a lead for the most part, as well as just about anybody in the NHL. Agreed. And you know, their penalty kill is second in the league as well. So you're gonna you're gonna have to beat this team five on five. It's as simple as that. If you're gonna or the only other up and in that Islander game, you know, Sorokin was fantastic. I mean, the Kings had 35 or 37 shots on goal. And the last time they lost at home, the other the opportunity if you're a Jets fan. Kings aren't great at home. They're five, four, and three at home. They've been better at home. But the last time Charlie Lundgren came in and and really stood on his head. I think he had 41 saves. So you're gonna have to win the special teams battle, and your goalie's gonna have to outplay the Kings goalie if it's Talbot or Copley. Uh, Dennis Bernstein of the fourth period with us here on uh, WST. Did you hear Gabriel Velarde's comments um, when he returned to the lineup about what happened and uh, the incident with Blake Lazat? Yeah. And, and about how they really don't have hockey fans here. I, we've heard oh, it I didn't, all. I didn't hear that. I, I didn't yeah, hear he said, that. Not, not great hockey fans here as well. So it was, there was also a little zing at the, at the Kings fans who adored. I mean, I had to battle Kings fans all the time when Gabe was un, underachieving in Los Angeles. So, uh, yeah, I heard it. The teams heard it. Now, nobody's going to go on the record. I think there was a lot of disappointment in those comments. If you know Blake Lowe's out like I do, that wasn't intentional. Um, this is a guy who was undrafted free agent on a St. Cloud State who has really, really now established himself as a quality fourth-line center. Um, and I know that that Blake was concerned about the injury and went to management and asked about it. How's Gabe doing? How's Gabe doing? I, I was I was surprised. Now, nobody's upset with Gabe in the room. Right? They still like him and stuff. It was just a little bit of surprise and a little bit of disappointment that that he took that angle with respect to that play because it certainly wasn't intentional. I mean, and Gabe is susceptible to injury. And I saw it here a lot. He, he gets banged up a lot, um, maybe because of his physical style of play. But I, I think there was disappointment. So I don't think there'll be a lot of bunning on the board tonight. Maybe, you know, coming in for Velarde and, and for Alex I follow up. But I'm eager to see the greeting that Velarde gets from the fans, given those comments that he made uh, after the injury. And I get the frustration from Gabe. I get it. You know, he's a guy who finally is going to be a feature player and to start the season, he's out four to six weeks. I understand that. But to point it at Lazat for this, uh, that, that type of player, and he does that all the time, it's a little surprise from Gabe. We, I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll be frank. I mean, we were sort of taken aback by them. I mean, usually hockey players just sort of, hey, you know, it happens and they move on and they don't want to give you very much. He, um, he was outspoken about it, and you could still you could tell that he was um, you know, he still had a burr in his saddle about what happened, and it was a really tough way for him to you know he got here, had a nice start for the first couple games, yep. and then you're out for seven weeks, you know, rehabbing on your own. Um, obviously, there'll be a lot of attention on Velarde and on Alex Iafalo on the visitors side of things. You know, people here are going to be looking at eighty. <laughs> um, what? Yeah. Uh, what are the early returns on our old pal Pierre Luc Dubois right now? Because the team's certainly winning, um, but it doesn't really seem like he's been leading the way. No, he's certainly not been leading the way. He's on pace for a forty-point season. That's not worth eight point five million dollars per season. It's as simple as that. Now, the beginning of the season, and I like the combination. They tried to pair him with Kevin Fiala. Now, the challenge with that was that both guys need the puck. Okay, and it just it, it, early on it wasn't working. So now they put him with Carl Gunstrom and Alex uh, LaFerriere, the rookie. Here's the thing with PLD. Okay, he's a coach's son. So what does that mean? He's analytical, right? With the puck, his play has been fine. When he gives up the puck, hustler, 
He's just thinking and thinking and thinking and not doing. Right. So that's number one. Number two, if you I'll give you the four wingers he played with the most in Winnipeg last year. I think it was Shifley, Connor, Perfetti, and Wheeler. He's not playing with those guys in Los Angeles. So I understand a little less on the production side, but he, when he doesn't have the puck, he's going to have to go to the net, be more of an impact payer, be more available for his teammates. Um, so, yeah, uh, is anybody panicking here? No, because you're 25 games in to an 85, uh, an eight-year contract. That's, I think, about 3% of his contract. So if you're willing to say this guy's a bomb and it's a, a bad deal, I'm not willing to say that. And you're right, they're still winning. And if they had not been winning, that would be a bigger challenge for uh, for PLD. But, you know, he's got to be able to come in and, uh, you know, be better. He has to be better. But again, it's in the winning context. This team is playing very, very well. So uh, it's less noticeable when you have guys like Kopitar and Deneau uh, ahead of the lineup of him. Well, it, yeah. And I mean, it's interesting. I mean, to be uh, dropping eight and a half mil in a third line center, um, is that sort of where he fits in right now? Or is it just hasn't been going? And at one point, he might move up the lineup. I mean, uh, how's Todd McClellan handling Dubois? He's handling him fine. I, I, he, he understands what he needs to do, and he's not displeased with his play. Um, he needs to do better. It's as simple as that. But, you know, they don't really, like if he scored goals, then they'd be scoring six goals a game. So he has cover here. Also, and that's what they – look, they are pointing towards the postseason. Like last year when they had Kopitar, Deneau, uh, Lazat, and Kupari, it wasn't good enough to beat Edmonton, and it wouldn't have been good enough to beat Vegas. Will this be? Will this alignment be good enough to beat the top teams in the division? I think so, right? But he's got cover. He doesn't have to be. Look, when they signed him, I know what that guy is. He's a 27 goal, 27 assist guy. He's not leading the league in scoring. Also, he never was. Now that's a high price tag, but they believe in this guy. And at some point in time, Kopitar will regress. Maybe after it's his retirement, because he's not regressing this year. You got to watch any of his games. So he has cover here. He has time. And you know the other thing is. Todd's system isn't the easiest to adapt to. So uh, let's see where he is at game 40. I expect a lot better from him. And this is what he's been told, I'm sure, by the coaching staff. You have to be more aggressive off the puck, stop thinking, and do more. You know, the uh, the, the one thing that I saw, and it, it's kind of come out every couple of weeks over the season for people covering the Kings that have sort of come to this revelation that, uh, when Dubois is on, he can be really good and really impactful. It just doesn't yeah. ha- happen enough. I mean, um, how engaged has he been? And has it been like we kind of saw before, sometimes really all in and sometimes the coach probably telling a guy to wake up on the bench? Yeah, maybe a little bit. And he's never going to win the, the Selkie, right? He's not a great defensive player. He's not great in the face-off circle. But again, when you have Kopitar and Deneau, all you need the, the guy to do right now is score. At some point in time, he's going to have to step up and be the one C. Or, Hustle, there's another option here. Maybe they do what they do with Byfield. Maybe he's a winger at some point in time. And again, the luxury of having Kopitar and Deneau, who are a brilliant defensive player, and a guy like Lazano on the fourth line who's perfectly there, he's set up to win. It hasn't happened yet. But let's see where we are at game 40 and, more importantly, game 83. This team's going to make the playoffs. What will PLD do? Because, again, the matchups, if he truly is your third-best center, that's going to be tough for some team to defend against in the playoffs. No, there's no doubt about that. Um, you mentioned Byfield. Um, you know, while maybe they haven't got what they were expecting from PLD, Byfield has taken a massive jump in his career. How different of a player is he and how much more confident is he this year as opposed to the young man that kind of struggled to to really 
find himself the last few seasons and how much credit goes to his line mates, Kopitar and Adrian Kempe? I'll use one of the words you just used, Hustler, patience. We had, they had patience and confidence. This is a, a much more confident player playing. And you know what? Here's the thing. Kopitar wanted him playing with uh, Byfield. Right. And last year, look, he was injured. He had two bad wrists. He had three goals in 50 games. And I criticize the guys. Look, it's not good enough. You have to score goals at this point in time. And this is a big kid. He's 6'5 and 225. He's probably got another 10 pounds to add on. But you, when you saw that move, and I'm sure you saw it in Montreal, that, that power move to go to the net and score a goal, he wasn't doing that last year. He's a supremely confident player. And unlike Peel, he's playing with two great players. He's playing with a 40-goal scorer in Adrian Kempe. And he's playing with the Hall of Famer and uh, Andre Kopitar. He's set up to win, but he has certainly delivered the goods. He's been much more confident, much more aggressive. You see him tonight. He hounds bucks. He's a lot of times he's the first guy in. And when you're first guy in and you're six foot five and two twenty five, that's going to be hell for some defense defense pairs. So yeah, it's just a different player, totally a mature player. And some, you know, I, I, I talk to people about him. Sometimes for bigger, more physical guys, it just takes more time. Right. And he's not Patrick Kane. He's the opposite of Patrick Kane, right? Coming in. So I think that's it. That's his confidence playing with great players. And it's finally unearthing the talent and skill that, that, that you've seen in the junior level from Quentin Byfield. You know, uh, you know, DB, um, we often joke, uh, or not even joke, I mean, say that Father Time is undefe- undefeated. Um, Kopitar seems to be winning the war with Father Time right now. <laughs> How goes the battle for Drew Doughty, who has been the mainstay on that Kings blue line for uh, basically the last decade and a half? Well, with respect to Kopi, there's been no regression hustler, which is amazing. Like, you know, it's he, incredible. He's, he's probably going to lead the team in scoring again for like the 18th straight season or whatever it is. Drew Doughty, he's been reinvigorated. It, 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 Winnipeg people probably didn't see that game in, in Columbus, but um, he scored an overtime goal to win the game in Columbus in, in December. And he was celebrating like they won the Stanley Cup. This team has really reinvigorated Drew Doughty. Like the passion that he had, because I was here three years ago when you said, Mike, if this doesn't start going in the right direction, maybe you know, I don't want to finish my career here. So there started rumors about him going to Toronto like every other player goes to Toronto. Great. Um, but he's been great. He scored, I think, seven goals in 25 games. He scored nine last year. He's been great. And the thing about it is because they have more depth and because they got – Traction with the third pair, which I never thought they would get traction with Andreas England and uh, uh, Jordan Spence. Drew's not going to play 28 minutes a night. He might play 26, and now Kopitar's under 19. And it's the why this team wins, Hustler. It's their depth. And now it, it's going to pay dividends if Drew doesn't have to pay 29 minutes a night and leave the, the uh, league in, in time on ice for defensemen. He's been a different player, and he's hitting the net as well because that was the thing with Drew. Drew would want it for a slap shot, and you know it would be 10 feet wide last couple of seasons he's been more accurate but again the team it's a success the younger players that have now you know kind of graduated to the stardom it's it's really revitalized you he, he's very passionate about this game and he's thrilled to be on this team right now yeah i mean doughty uh is the guy everybody knows um there's some other defensemen that a lot of casual fans would not be familiar with especially if you're not staying up late and watching the west coast games who have been the uh, maybe less known contributors on the blue line that have been big-time difference makers for the Kings that the Jets are going to have to worry about tonight? Well, there's going to be a fight in the game. Andreas England's going to drop the gloves, right? Because I think he's had seven fights in 25 games. And I think at that pace, if you're Tom McClellan, you got to be a little bit worried about that because that's a lot because this is not a physical, this is not an intimidating team. 
Uh, the guy, the, uh, Drew's defense partner, Mikey Anderson, a kid from Minnesota, they drafted in the fifth round back in the day. They gave him a, a long-term deal at $4 million plus. A couple seasons ago, people kind of scratch their head. He's, he's a great defensive defenseman. He allows Drew to go up the ice and be risky and, and be more offensive. But he, Mikey's, you know, he's controlled. He, he's really smart. He's not the most physical guy in the world, but he will start to be physical last couple of seasons. I, I just love his vision on the ice, and it's, been, it's worked. I thought Mikey was probably, you know, maybe a, a middle pair defenseman, but he's proven that he could play on a top player, play big minutes, defend against top lines in this league. And to me, that's the guy. And yes, you're right. Everybody knows Drew Doughty. But a lot of Drew Doughty's success over the last couple of years has been due to the, the pairing he has with Mikey Anderson. Mikey's been fantastic um, since he's come to L.A. He's really proven a lot for a guy who wasn't thought to be one of their top prospects when he was drafted. Um, I remember our conversation before that game in October. And I had mentioned that, you know, the Kings, they've made this big ad. But the big question was in goal. And how would Phoenix Coffley and Cam Talbot be able to handle the pressure when a lot of people are saying that's the one missing piece? Um, Talbot has been unreal. Um, like, give us give us your thoughts on his season so far. Is it sustainable? And how important has that been for the Lottie um, record that the Kings have so far? Uh, he's arguably the team's MVP. And I do Kings of the podcast with John Hoven. We had an argument over that. I think Trevor Morris, because Trevor Morris is on pace for 43 goals. But Ken Talbot's numbers also are Vezina numbers right now. Like he's a top five goalie in this league. And he refuses to take credit for anything. After he shut out the Habs on Thursday, last Thursday, we asked him about the shutout. He goes, well, you know, that's a team. That's really a team statistic. The guys didn't live a lot in front of me. I said, well, goals against and save percentage really isn't a team statistic. But how about those stats? Wouldn't take credit. They, you know, the guys clear the crease in front of me. And again, I go back to the f- fact that this team gives up the least amount of high danger chances in the league. And that's why Cam Talbot's numbers are there now. The bigger question is how many games can he play? And the guy who might be the real key may not be Talbot, might be Phoenix Copley, who didn't have a good start to the season. His numbers were, in, were really bad. Um, he's gotten better over time. And last season when he came in and really helped to save the season, he just won games. And that's all he need to do. He need to make one more save. So, yes, the, the, it's, it's remarkable to the level of, of efficiency Cam Talbot's had. But if you go back past last season when he was injured twice in Ottawa, he was a 914, 9-11 save percentage guy the prior two seasons. If they get that and not just these Vezina numbers, they're still going to win a lot of games, also because they score a lot of goals. So is it surprising? Yeah, it's a nice bet. Now, Cam wants an extension, probably wants you know a couple of years, maybe $2.5 million per uh, but they're going to have to figure out the goaltending, maybe raise the quality next season. But for right now, they're not losing games because of the goaltending, and that was the concern. Hey, if he keeps running at a sub-two goals against average and a 931 save yeah. percentage and winning as much as he has, that ask is going to be a little bit higher, and he'll be able to justify it, and I'm sure the Kings will be just fine uh, with that. Um, Dennis, I, I want to step away from Jets-Kings tonight for a minute. Obviously, sure. you guys at the fourth period are all over the league. Um, Craig Berube, Stanley yeah. Cup winning coach, the chief out in St. Louis. Um, what was your reaction to that? And uh, what does this tell you about the uh, desperate situation St. Louis is in the Central Division, which I think is a lot stronger than a lot of people expected at the start of the year? Well, the question is, does Jay Woodcroft go there? 
right? And they put in the interim coach who's, who was the AHL coach as, as the interim guy. Look, sometimes the message doesn't sink in anymore. And the team has not responded for Craig Berube, right? So, and I listened to the, the, in the uh, press conference with Doug Armstrong this morning. And it was like, an, it was, I tried a lot of things. It didn't work. And now I'm trying this. And it happened in Minnesota too. Dean Anderson's a really good coach. Look, you look at the stat, his numbers in Minnesota, the team wasn't responding. And you can't fire 23 guys. And now it's more acute in Minnesota because you can't make a trade because of the salary cap issues with the, the buyouts of, of Parisian Suter. Uh, it was a last resort. And I think it's a sign to the Blues players because, you know, Armstrong defended his roster. And then I signed some guys to long-term deals. Robert Thomas has played really well. Jordan Cairo is not living up to his contract. You want to talk about another player who hasn't lived up to a long-term contract. So was I surprised? Yeah, because I was there in 2019 when they won, and I saw how that team responded. Now, is it the same team? Absolutely not, right? So this is not a Stanley Cup contending team, but it's a playoff contending team because you're right. The Central is stronger, but those two wild cards are up for grabs. But I think this is kind of a last stab by Doug Armstrong to try to galvanize the team and get into a – a wild card spot because I don't see them as a top three team in the central. They might be able to sneak into that, that one or two wild card spot. Well, they're going to hope that they get the same uh, new coach bump that the wild and the Oilers yeah. did. And speaking of the Oilers, I mean, they were almost on the verge of being written off eight wins in a row right now. And the Oilers have re-entered the chat both for the wild card. And I guess potentially they get back in the mix in the top three as insane as that sounded a month ago. If they, eat, if they win eight more straight, yeah, they'll be in, they'll be in the three seed for sure. It's it's dangerous to write the team off. I remember, look, it, it came down to one thing. Like Connor McDavid was playing hurt, without question. Right? He wanted to play in the Heritage Classic. It was certain, it was probably like you know bleak or maybe some ribs. He wanted to play. He wasn't one hundred percent. Now he's one hundred percent. You see what he's doing, right? They're getting some saves from Stuart Skinner. I I expected Edmonton to be in the top three. I, I'm not sure if they get there because I keep waiting for Vancouver to kind of regress a little bit. But they start winning games 2 nothing. They, ha- they have, you know, what, three or four of the top scorers in the league. And Demko's playing really well. It's going to be a really interesting Pacific division because Vegas isn't going away. Right? They just win games. You're like, they don't care how they win games, 5-4, 2-1, whatever. Um, L.A.'s going to be there as well. It's going to be a very interesting thing because I agree with you. Edmonton's entered the chat. So now they've gotten to a point where they've kind of stabilized, got the 500. If they reap up another like eight out of 10, they're going to be in the mix for the division, which uh, would be shocking given that start. Yeah, they are taking advantage of a real light spot on their schedule, but they yep. had to do it. And it's crazy. I mean, for a team that was like two and 11 at one point, they're now 13 and 12. They're one point out of a wild card spot crazy. and on a real, real run. And Vancouver, for their part, speaking of surprises, 18 regulation wins, number one in the league, and plus 37 goal differential, number one in the league. And I don't think anybody saw that coming. Uh, you in the building tonight? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to do CJOB pregame. Beautiful, beautiful. So, so two, two, two bites at the apple for Winnipeg fans. That'll be. That'll stand be, it. Be I don't great. know. If it's a th- I don't know if it's a good thing or not, hustler. But come yeah. on, you're our guy, DB. <laughs> of course. We'll uh, send it out. We'll listen. We'll look forward to a little bit more on that. And a uh, big one for the Jets to see if they can salvage uh, one more win on this road trip. Uh, get back up there with the Colorado Avalanche and uh, set up what will be a great battle uh, here in the peg between two of the top teams in the Central. But uh, first things first, homecoming for Velarde and Ayafalo. We'll look forward to seeing how that looks tonight and uh, what should be another great game. Say what's up to the fellas, Dennis. Have a great holiday season if we don't talk to you. And thanks for doing this. 
Also, it's always a pleasure being on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, you, buddy. There it is, DB, Dennis Bernstein. Of course, you can check out the fourth period on Sirius XM NHL Radio and check out the website, thefourthperiod.com. All right, Miranda Tesh is going to join us in a little bit, and we will also um, you know, hear a little bit more coming out of uh, Rick Bonus and Cole Perfetti from last night's game. But as I mentioned, we'll focus in on this game tonight and then all systems go for a massive four-game homestand for the Winnipeg Jets. Tickets are available. It should be a massive game and a great night. Saturday night, the first place avalanche taking on the Winnipeg Jets to start things off. And then, of course, Montreal, Detroit, and Boston, three original six teams next week. Tickets on sale now, winnipegjets.com slash tickets. Let's get some more butts in seats, and uh, hopefully we'll see you at the game for this homestand heading into Christmas. Um, thanks to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market. The holiday season here, you want to be feeling good. You want to get a great start to 2024. We should head on down to Vita Health and look at great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. Not to mention online ordering with uh, same-day service with orders done by 11 a.m. at myvita.ca. Check out all these supplements to help men live their best lives. Prairie Naturals, Canada's number one men's health brand available at Vita Health. And, of course, you're also supporting a great local company, family-owned and operated since 1936, with Winnipeg's largest selection of local products, too, Perfect for the holiday season. Pop down and see them at Vita Health, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Six Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Our friends at Wallace & Wallace are geared up for a big, big 2024. They've been helping Manitobans as the leaders in fencing and overhead doors since 1946. And while fencing probably a little lighter in in the winter, Overhead doors very much in demand. And uh, listen, that overhead garage door that you have on your home had lots of ups and downs this summer and fall, but it's about to work a whole lot harder because winter puts much more stress on a garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Call Wallace & Wallace to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know. That is Wallace and Wallace. And hey, speaking of the holidays and speaking of 2024, guys, if you look into the closet, maybe at some of these holiday events you've got planned and realize I need to step up my menswear game, you can get it all taken care of down at F Apparel at 190 Smith Street, the leaders in customs men's clothing in Winnipeg. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. F gift cards always make a great Christmas present if you're looking to upgrade the wardrobe. And then be sure to get ready for the massive Boxing Day deals post-Christmas at F Apparel. Pop down and see them, 190 Smith Street downtown. Check them out online. Make an appointment. Purchase gift cards online at F. That's E-P-H-Apparel.com. All right. Murata Tesh is going to join us in just a moment. Um, remote, just before we bring on Murat, would love to get this uh, number one clip from Rick Bonus um, because we will t- be talking about special teams. No doubt last night that special teams were a, uh, a big factor, especially in that second half of the third period 
where San Jose scored and the Jets just could not get one past Mackenzie Blackwood. This is what Bones had to say about the uh, special teams difference last night and uh, how impactful that was in the Jets' 2-1 loss to San Jose. It was a factor, especially teams. Again, we gave up a shorthanded goal and uh, power play. You know, we hit the crossbar. We had some good looks, but we got to score in those opportunities. And especially teams with the difference in the game tonight. Yeah, with the power play, I mean, you had some really good puck control and yeah. some looks. Um, seemed like there was maybe difficulty getting a lot of pucks to the net, and then second. Yeah, they they did a good job blocking the shots, and the goalie made the big saves when he had to, and we missed the opportunities when they were there. So, um, you, clearly, in this game, you need you need a power play goal. Yeah, and I mean, the easy out, I guess, would be to say you lost uh, your, your no, top score. To, yeah. We're not doing that. Yeah. No excuses. We, uh, we we go with the guys we have, and they've got to find a way to get the job done. Obviously, it's new personnel, though. You've had to shuffle it around. So will yep. that maybe take a little bit of getting used to, guys, well, what I, their role I, is? Or? Actually, yeah, I thought they were moving the puck okay. But yeah. it, like you said, it was just getting those second and third opportunities there and, and burying the ones that we had the good looks on. All right. So there's uh, Bones on uh, special teams last night. And here's one more quickie. Um, as I mentioned right off the top, I mean, the first period sort of reminded me of the Carolina game last week in Brassois' last start where he saw a ton of pucks in the first 10 minutes and then the Jets really sort of flipped the script. Here's what Bones had to say about uh, the slow start. Give them credit. They came out hard and uh, we survived. We bent a little bit, but we survived and then we took over the second half of that period. So you give them credit for the first half. We took over the second half. And, so I, I liked how we we made a couple of adjustments there, and the guys on the ice, and we slowed them down, and we started to play in their zone a lot more. So, again, that was an even period. 1-1 one, one was the right score. All right, there's uh, Rick Bonus, and uh, let's bring in Murat Atesh on location with the uh, Winnipeg Jets. Murat, uh, did you have that same sort of deja vu of last Monday against Carolina when we saw the way that started and the way Loren Brassois stepped up in a big, big way to get things going last night? Oh, oh wait, we, we just got to un uh, unmute you. Hold on uh, one sec, Murat. One sec. Let me grab All good? All good now. I think we just got to uh, do the echo cancellation, and uh, we, will, uh, we will be fine. Yeah, I was just basically saying it kind of... Reminded and looked, with the exception of uh, we weren't seeing that sweet kit that he was wearing in the 48s last week, um, sort of felt like last Monday. I mean, maybe the a superstar performance from Brissois is just to have him get shelled for 10 straight minutes to open a game, and the Jets are playing a little rope-a-dope there. I'm not sure. Um, that was a – it was actually – it was a pretty horrendous start from the Jets, and, and credit to the Sharks for their forechecking and their quickness. But if you go back and watch the clips of the saves Brissois made, there's a Jets giveaway almost before every single one of them and on Justin Bailey's goal to start the game. So uh, it was uh, it was a much-needed turnaround in that second half of the period because it was it was really just an awful, awful start. You know, despite the, uh, despite the loss that, um, you know, will be on the record, um, this is the sec a second straight big time start for Loren Brassois that um, I think they'll win more often than they lose if he plays the way he did. Yeah, scheme of things, you know, if you want a storyline, LB playing as well as he has for his last two starts, that's a beauty. Like the whole point of signing Laurent Brassois from the Jets' perspective, you know, is to give themselves some coverage for Connor Hallebuck. 
Should he get fatigued? Should he go through any of those late season swoons? And to start the season, it wasn't there. Um, it it certainly didn't reflect well on uh, on his hope that he would be showing the world he was an NHL starter this season. Um, but we've seen some real big changes, some real great saves, some real improved play. And this is like there is a player that Brassois can be when he's on fire that genuinely takes over games, that that wins games, that steals them for the Jets and certainly stole them for Vegas last year as well. And now we've seen that for two games in a row. Uh, if that's the guy that Winnipeg gets for as he's rounding into form, that's a huge story. You know, um, let's just talk goaltending for a minute because Helly's in tonight. And, you know, Ken was on with us on Friday, I guess, and sort of brought this up, the possibility that, you know, maybe Brassois goes against the Sharks and Hellbuck plays the second game. And I had said, I certainly have time for the argument, the reasons why you might do it, but I can't remember the Jets ever doing that before. Um were you surprised that LB went yesterday and they're going with Hellebuck tonight? And can you remember the last time Hellebuck didn't play the first of back-to-backs? Yeah, that's an interesting one. And I, I don't. It's it's not something I honestly look at and sort out. So my, you know, hit my head too many times memory isn't going to pull this one out of the air. Um, but I, but... I, I think we'd be looking for a long time, to be honest with you. Okay, yeah, and I trust you because I feel like this is a conversation you and I have sometimes, right? You you pay attention to the goalie rhythm and routine, and so I, 100%, I, I trust your instincts on that. For me, it makes sense. I mean, you have theoretically two teams on the opposite side of the NHL standings, uh, save your number one goalie for the number one test, and certainly the Jets didn't get two points out of the supposedly easier test yesterday. Now they're heading into three games in four nights, second half of a back-to-back. They played 11-7 and seven last night for some reason. Uh, there's plenty of reasons to imagine it's a fatigue team that Hellebuck backstops tonight in Los Angeles. Yeah, we'll get to the lines in a minute. Um, overall, I mean, after that 10 minutes, it was, um, as Bones said, I mean, it really was sort of a flipping of the first 10 minutes, and the Jets got going, and, and I thought they you know, really carried the play for the better part of the next 40, 45 minutes from about the 10 minute mark. Um, how did you see the game go? Um, and what was it that prevented the Jets from, uh, other than obviously Mackenzie Blackwood, who was full marks, I mean, going head to head with Loren Brassois, that the Jets found themselves in a 1-1 game that could go either way on special teams in the second half of the third? Yeah, I mean, major plot points. Uh, certainly the Sharks started with a 12-1 lead in shots and that Winnipeg uh, caught up and, and passed them. It finished 37-32, I believe. So the run that Winnipeg went on was 36-20 to uh, from that point of the game forward. That's an impressive dominance in terms of flow of play. You also look at the amount of shots that San Jose blocked and certainly there were a lot of clips and highlight packages on the broadcast. And, you know, I think people have seen all of that. It's basically, to me, it's a testament to the way the Sharks played and survived through that game. Uh, there were moments where they were parking all five defenders uh, very conservatively in the slot. They were selling out. They were blocking shots. They were giving Winnipeg shooters, um, you know, a little bit of a challenge to get through those lanes. I think it also led to some of the missed shots that you saw from Winnipeg as well as they were seeing plenty of their shots get blocked. And yeah, they ended up with a ton of shots in the end. Uh, but compared to their actual shot attempt numbers as well, they saw so many get blocked that I think that that played a role in the game. 
credit to Mackenzie Blackwood as well. I've seen his numbers this year. I'm impressed by by certain parts of it, but I hadn't seen him up close and personal quite like that. And I think that he genuinely earned some of those saves. But for me, Huss, the big story, the big why did Winnipeg not win is their power play didn't score and San Jose's did. And like, talk about flow of play all you want. It does predict in a big sample who's going to be good and who's not going to be good. In one game, you have to score. And that's what Winnipeg didn't do on the power play despite their control. And that's what San Jose did. Yeah, and, and it was it was extra frustrating because the Jets were gaining the zone with ease. They often would have the puck in the San Jose zone for the entire duration of the two minutes. And yet, in credit to San Jose, I mean, the defensemen were right in front of the net. There wasn't a lot happening there. They were blocking shots. But from your perspective, what didn't the Jets do or what did they need to do better Um to score some goals, although Kyle Connor is part of the unit for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and like I want to couch this in the idea that if the Jets weren't mired in a little bit of a power play slump, if they didn't lose that game, if you just showed me video without a scoreboard of that of those power plays, I'd say they were pretty good. I really would. And I thought that puck movement was a big part of that. It seemed to me that they were moving San Jose around the around the zone with quickness and crispness and I liked that. Um, I liked uh, I liked Nikolai Ehlers' uh, attempt to to play in the Kyle Connor spot. I thought that that he was quick and making decisions very quickly and creatively. I liked Cole Perfetti's willingness to attack the the net front from the bumper position. Um, I liked Shifley and Morrissey as well. Like there was and Gabriel Velarde. Like I'm not picking on any of them, but I think that what I saw and this is what stuck with me is that. Their puck movement would create small openings in San Jose's defense. And sometimes I got the sense that puck movement that created a small opening, well, they got really confident in that puck movement and maybe moved the puck again, moved the puck again, and never made an opening bigger than the first one. And I think that may have passed up on some of their first opportunities to shoot. Like, I think they were looking for an even more grade-A chance and and sometimes, um, you know, were maybe... Uh, at a disservice for that. Uh, but again, I, I like some of the chances that they created. I think for me, it's maybe more shot volume. And, and I know that they were getting blocks and things like that. But I think that they were opening up just enough of seams to attack from, at least from my distant vantage point, and knowing it looks different on the ice to them. You know, um, Murat, while we're talking about the power play, Remo, if you can, let's get this Perfetti clip up. Um, number four, if you can. Um, because, of course, Cole is a big part of this power play. It seemed like they were, you know, successfully moving the puck between Shifley and Morrissey, often to Nikolai Ehlers for one-timers. Um, and Cole was down low, was involved in it. But again, they, they weren't able to score. Here's what Perfetti had to say about the uh, lack of success on the power play and the difference in last night's game. Today, too much perimeter play? Or- uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. Obviously, you know, they pack it in pretty good. So it was tough to get to the middle of the ice. Um, me being the bumper guy, I kind of noticed it a little bit more. Wasn't really, you know, the ice wasn't really there. So um, they did a good emphasis on that. And obviously their goalie played well. So, um, you know, they blocked a lot of shots and it's hard to get pucks through. So um, I think obviously we'd like to, you know, get more to the net. Um, but uh, yeah, they clogged the middle up. So it was uh, tough to get anything really, but you know, we got to be better. 
obviously with Kyle's injury, the personnel has switched up a little bit. Um, is it something that's maybe going to take some time to get used to everyone, their new roles? Or? I mean, yeah, obviously it sucks losing Casey's as a, an elite shooter and goal scorer as they come and hit him on the power play is, is pretty pretty legit. But, um, you know, we're, we've got a next man up mentality. Obviously, it hurts losing him. But, um, you know, Fly is a pretty talented player himself, and he fills that spot. And, um, you know, uh, we, we really don't shouldn't be using any excuses that it's going to take time or anything. We just have to be better. We have to score. We have to, um, you know, the work ethic's there, I think, and um, the right idea. It's just um, now it's just executing, and I think, uh, you know, we've got to be better, and, um, you know, it's not going to, you know, Casey's out for a bit now, so um, we can't use that excuse. We have to just put our heads down and work and um, hopefully uh, turn this thing around. All right, there's the uh, the young lion, Cole Perfetti, with his thoughts on uh, on the power play. And Murat, I think, you know, he is uh, pretty much right. I mean, as you say, it wasn't like they weren't even getting into the zone. They did a lot of things. And to your point, I mean, I think that in a vacuum, you might be okay with that. But again, when you lose the game in the fashion that they did, you sort of come back to that. I think Sarah Oleski's just confirmed Mike's report yesterday that Kyle Connor's looking at six to eight weeks out. So, um not that the power play had been, you know, running top five in the league, but he is such a big, big part of the power play and everything they do with the man advantage. Um, how do you see things going? I mean, just the challenge for Rick Bonus and the coaching staff and those players to, um, you know, to try to, you know, keep things going without 81 out there who, uh, as we all know, was the top goal scorer on this team. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Connor is... The leading goal scorer he's got the most individual expected goals so the most expected goals that come off of his stick uh he's also got the most goals scored above expected meaning for all of those individual expected goals he scored that many and then some by more than any other winnipeg jet it's what goes into uh, you know into a superlative goal scoring season it's part of why he scored the sixth most goals in the National Hockey League since breaking into the league on a full-time basis in 2017-18. This guy scores goals. And when you look at a power play that didn't score last night and a team that scored just one in a 2-1 loss to a team that you think they should have beat, it kind of feels, at least from a storytelling perspective, as, okay, here we go, this is misery, goal scoring is going to be a problem. Um, and maybe we'll see that it is. Maybe we will see that that it genuinely is something that the Jets uh, have a miserable time with in these six to eight weeks or whatever it ends up becoming that he's away. Um, I tend to think that the Jets have quality depth. I tend to think that the way that they survived without Gabriel Velarde in the lineup is going to be comparable to the way they're capable of surviving without Kyle Connor in the lineup as well. So Kyle Connor's offense certainly is at an even higher level than Velarde's is going to be. Um, you know, on the power play front, I really do like and like I respect the idea that they wanted to get into the inside more and more shots or what have you. But last night, those eight shots they got in 844 of five on four time, that's above average shot quality or shot volume in terms of NHL five on four power plays. If you compare it to like the top teams in the league on the whole so far this season. So theoretically, that's enough. 
Um, it's going to be tough, and nobody can score certain goals that Kyle Connor scores. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I just I think that this is one of those tests of well, is this team as good and as deep as everybody seems to be saying that it is? And I think they're pretty good. So I'm a little bit optimistic about their ability to tread water, at least hold the fort until he comes back. Um, what did you think of the top line? Um, Velarde back up there. I mean, Ehlers was all over the place. Shifley, um, I, I thought there was really good shifts and extended periods for both that line and Perfetti's line along with Morgan Barron. Um, we knew things were going to look a little different. What did you think about the top six last night? Yeah, I mean, that Shifley line was dominant. Absolutely, utterly dominant in terms of five-on-five play and, and the chances that they created as well. Nikolai Ehlers was dancing. Mark Shifley was playing 200 feet. Gabriel Velarde, just the vision on this guy. Like, this this is a quality line. I like what they're doing, and I like their ability to create against uh, against some of the top teams as well. I know I'm, I'm reaching from a, you know, a fairly limited sample, and, and San Jose's for all of their hustle and, and all of their ability to protect the middle of the ice, I, I don't know that they're one of the top defending teams in the NHL. So I want to see that line do it again. But even though Winnipeg lost, I don't want to take away from the fact that that line was fairly electric last night. Um, actually, the only line that sort of struggled from a flow of play perspective was the Adam Lowry line, which has been so good and such like it's one of the reasons you believe you can count on the Jets even with injury trouble is that this line has gone against the best and beaten them. Well, I mean, two minutes, three minutes into the game, Nino Niederreiter coughs a puck up the middle of the ice. That leads to a semi-breakaway chance. There's another another giveaway from him. I don't think it's the full line out on the ice at the moment. That leads to the Bailey goal. There was a little bit of a slip from that line last night. So that one uh, I, I would exempt from the Jets played absolutely wonderfully at 5-on-5 five five yesterday. But Perfetti and, and and company certainly were were quality as well. You, you um, know what? It just uh, on the Lowry line last night, and I, I will be honest. I mean, I went to Natural Stat Trick and I'm looking up the numbers, and I was actually stunned when I saw that that was the one line because I just remember talking about it with the guys I'm watching the game with in the second period, they had a couple shifts where, I mean, it looked like they were playing a junior team. I mean, they were in the zone. The Sharks would get the puck. Appleton or someone would just literally bump them off and do it. So, I mean, they certainly did have their moments. But I think that this goes to show you it's easy to remember, you know, the real quality things and maybe overlook some of the shifts, especially earlier on, that, um, you know, that didn't work out uh, as well. Um, they're going back to 12-6 tonight. And, uh, you know, I was listening to KNR late last night, and I thought Kenny made a good uh, a good point, and you sort of alluded to it too. Like, I didn't understand the 11-7 and seven last night when this team has been a four-line team and has been running four lines, and I think especially without Kyle Connor, there's even a bigger argument to make, making sure that you've got 12 guys going, um, giving you more options as you try to figure this out for the next period of time without 81. And as Rick Bonus said, they will be going back to 12 and six tonight. Yeah. I, I don't know that I can make sense of it offhand. Uh, and I want to be careful too, because there would be some things that go into that kind of decision yeah. that I wouldn't know. Right. Like, you know, is there one of, was one of those seven defensemen, you know, that they really do want to get minutes to, was it, you know, banged up a little bit? Was there some sort of concern there, but you wanted him in the lineup if you could? Like, I don't know that that's the case, but, you know, I want to I want to at least allow for the fact that I don't know everything I need to know here. Theoretically, the 
the idea is you get your forwards, your top forwards, more big minutes, um, and you spread things out on defense. I personally think if everyone, if, if, if there isn't some unknown thing that makes this all make sense, I think it was uh, a little bit over coaching. I, I think it was like not knowing when to take the paintbrush off the painting, so to speak. The Jets have been a quality four-line team. It was the first night of a back-to-back. It was in the midst of a three-and-four stretch. Um, and to to go with 7D and then find out that it's one of your bubble defensemen who, you know, credit to him for other things, but gets the puck stolen off of his stick playing on his offside, a left-hander playing on the right side of the Jets' PK, gets the puck stolen, and then the game-winning goal goes in. It's a little bit karmic in a way. It's saying, okay, like I think that I, I think that Rick Bonus probably overthought that and got beat and burnt for that decision by that giveaway and that goal. Um, certainly one moment isn't the whole story of a game ever, but like there's a lot of poetry to saying like I can't find the obvious reasoning and logic to have made that a good uh, decision and it burned them. So unless guys are banged up or what have you, it just it looks curious to me. It's a head scratcher. You know, um, Stan came in in an 11-7 format last Monday and has stayed in the lineup for the rest of the week. Um, listen, there was that giveaway, as you mentioned, last night. He certainly ended up on the highlight reel in the wrong way against the Avalanche when Nathan McKinnon pulled the Rhino move on him. But there has been some good. Uh, how would you evaluate what Stanley's been for these last few games? And has he helped his cause overall when it comes to making a push to being in the lineup more than he had been yeah it's tough i think he's a bit high event as a defender which you don't want from somebody who <laughs> like it, at his size and his you know supposed defensive acumen his advocates are going to say it's safe when he's on the ice right like he'll protect the middle of the ice he's going to win the battles and he does do that sometimes like he, he is capable of those things and has some success at it but Really, I think his biggest strengths have been rushing the puck up ice and helping get the puck to the other end. In coverage, there are issues sometimes. And in coverage, he'll get a little bit puck-watchy. There, it's possible to freeze him with a shot, uh, shot fake. There are players that sneak behind him for backdoor attempts. Like I, I think that in terms of coverage, that's the biggest question mark. Uh, those exits, those zone exits are a problem too. And... You know, maybe poetically, I guess he has the puck stolen. He's trying to get a clear on that one. The one thing that I that I wouldn't really blame him for as much as he got posterized is the is the goal McKinnon scored. I know it looks bad because he ends up off balance and gets absolutely beat on the play. I think most defensemen get absolutely beat on that play. The difference is at his size, the the speed with which he's trying to adjust his balance and shift his feet and go the other way. Like for me a little bit, of course he's going to end up off balance and it's going to look worse than if he were five ten low center of gravity. Both players get beat on that play. Uh, Stanley looks worse in the moment. I, I'm not actually reading that one as something that we're likely to see a whole bunch of times, but struggling on an exit, making a pass that turns into an icing or not quite making the right play, getting the puck out of the zone um, getting lost in coverage sometimes. I think he's very clearly a capable defenseman, but he's a six. He's a seven right now for me, an eight maybe on the Winnipeg Jets. And I don't see that having shifted in the last week or so. 
Um, Marat, uh, of course, uh, PLD on the other side. Uh, we've got Alex Alafalo and Gabriel Velarde coming in. It should be an interesting homecoming for those players. Um, but a big opportunity for the Jets to try and maybe get a couple points that they think they should have gotten last night. Uh, are you in the building tonight? Yes, yeah, I will be. Have you, uh, as your time down there, I mean, I know you run in some pretty bougie foodie circles. Have you run into <laughs> Pierre-Luc Dubois or Otani uh, in your nightly reservations at Nobu or some of the other hot spots in and around Tinseltown? Yeah, you know me, you know, having having sushi rolls with, uh, with the big guns. And, you know, if somebody had only asked my opinion of what was happening to the Blue Jays last week, I would have told you, Sho and I, we were just kicking back. <laughs> No, I, uh, you know, I, I've had a nice time out here. I went to Top Golf for the first time. And, How fun is that? Oh, I mean, come on! I haven't swung a golf club since I was 18 years old, or something like that. You go out, you got food, you got drinks, there's snacks, you got the like the radar and all that sort of stuff. I'm texting Kenny like, hey, like. Well, how do I do this? Like, <laughs> like my literal text to Ken is, um, "Hey, it should be shorter than a hockey stick, longer than a tennis racket, right?" And so he sends me the bullet points. Anyway, it was a good night. It was a good time. Hey, hey that's the funny you bring that up from Ken because every text he ever sends is in bullet points. No one, <laughs> no one spaces out ideas and whatnot in a text message better than our good friend Ken Wee, but uh, it was good to see you got to hit Top Golf, and I will say that to any of our listeners or viewers. If you are in an area where there is a Top Golf and you got a couple hours to kill with the crew, um, you could make a lot worse decisions than uh, set up there. It is a, a heck of a lot of fun. Hopefully it'll be fun for the Jet fans that are in the building tonight. A big, big chance for them to uh, see if they can get back into the win column before massive homestand coming up beginning Saturday night against the Avalanche and then three original six teams heading into heading into Christmas. Um, the team's been playing well. Last night's loss notwithstanding. And uh, I think we've got some uh, a, a great stretch of home games and uh, hockey coming up heading into uh, Christmas break. Uh, I mean, what can I say to that? I've just, uh, it's a good time to cover the Winnipeg Jets, to be honest, because even when they're getting beat, even when they're struggling, you can see the things that they're trying to do you can feel a little sense of momentum about some of the young guys and the acquisitions and Gabriel Velarde's hockey sense has been fun to, to watch. Um, if there's one point we haven't really talked about today that I'm kind of excited about on the Jets behalf, it's that I see Cole Perfetti's timing sort of, he's starting to be able to do to NHL defenders, what he did in the AHL and in junior, he's getting like a half step on guys by reading the play faster than them. Even if his feet aren't faster than they are, I think that's a story to be watching. This is this is going to be, I mean, it already is, but I think we're going to see even more of a breakout season from that young player. Uh, there are nice things about the Winnipeg Jets right now, and they're going to be tested. So here we go, right? Hey, hey just quickly on Perfetti before we run. Um, you know, Kenny's mentioned this a couple times. Uh, do you think that we'll see Perfetti with Scheif at some point at 5-on-5? Five five? I think it makes sense. I, there were a couple of moments where they just happened to be on the ice five on five last night. And you saw one make a pass to the other a couple of times. Believe me, these guys see the game in a similar way. Shifley's obviously bigger. He's got, you know, a faster skill set. He's been doing it for more years. But the way that they process space and time in the offensive zone, the kinds of passes they think of, the timing plays that they think of, I think there's a lot there. And whether it's just mentorship 
Um, you know, I wrote about that. I'm very proud of that story. Or whether that's same line stuff that's going to turn into honest to goodness offense for the Jets. I think there's a chance. Marat, always great having you on the program. Uh, enjoy the rest of your time in uh, sunny California. And uh, hopefully you're uh, talking and writing about a win tonight. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. Good stuff. There is the man himself, Marat Atesh. He'll be at the game tonight. You can follow all of his work at theathletic.com. If you don't have an athletics subscription, that's also a nice thing to ask for for Christmas. The gift that keeps on giving 12 months a year, especially from our pal Marat. All right, we got a special guest coming up. I'm fired up for this. One of our favorites. Uh, just before we do that, though, a big, big thank you to our friends at Princess Auto, Winnipeg-based and founded, and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new for 2024 is at Princess Auto. Just in time for the holidays, pop down to see them, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Speaking of that holiday shopping, you want Jets gear, you want bomber stuff, you want some of the exclusive old-school moose lids that Royal Sports did up, NFL, NHL, and more. The number one sports superstore for 40 years in Winnipeg is Royal Sports. Uh, they've got it all there just in time for the holidays for the sports fan in the family, the biggest hockey selection in town, and tons of amazing gift ideas as well, like their massive Yeti section over in the King's Skate, Snow, and Surf Department. Take care of the holiday shopping at one spot, Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway, and follow them on Insta at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops, sale information, and great holiday gift ideas. And it's another late one tonight. But there is a positive, folks. BP Happy Hour starts at 9 p.m. Just in time for puck drop tonight. Be able to get great deals on wings, cactus cuts, and more. And, of course, Boston Pizza is your Winnipeg Jets away game headquarters with the game on the big screens with big sound and those world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, ice-cold schooners, and more. Make it BP tonight. And if you are staying at home, you can always Order it hot and fresh to your door at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's bring back a WST favorite. Moonlighting as a comedian, an actor, and one of the go-to guys for the Manitoba Moose. It is the return of Jeff Malott to WST. Happy holidays, Jeff. Great to have you back on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, guys. What uh, What's going on? How are things with the fellas, with the Moose? Doing well, doing well. Uh, just got back from Calgary. We uh, had a nice trip there. Won uh, won the last game in overtime, and now we're just getting ready for next weekend. And uh, and yeah, getting ready for uh, for the holidays a little bit too. Yeah, big weekend uh, at the uh, at the home rink, and a lot of hockey coming up with the Jets coming back on Saturday night, and Moose on Friday, and Moose on Sunday afternoon. Listen, there's a bunch of things I want to talk to, but let's focus in first on the on ice part of the season. Um, you know, you are more of a veteran leader right now um, and playing with a bunch of young rookies you might see in pajamas at some point over the course of this interview. I mean, uh, tell us a little bit about this team this year and um, how enjoyable it is for you with the, this young talent that I'm sure has added a lot of excitement and enthusiasm to uh, the rosters on game day, but also practice and just being around the rink. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we definitely, we have a, a young, young team this year, a lot of new guys coming in, having their first year pro. 
um, it's great. I mean, those guys are hungry. They're on the ice every day. They're, they're, they're hard to get off the ice. Uh, they're always trying to, trying to improve. And, and I mean, even just over the, the short course of the beginning of the season so far, the strides that they've made in terms of getting up to speed with the, the pro game has been, you know, really impressive. And, and these guys have, I mean, some of our leading scorers are, uh, are rookies and, and we've got guys that, that are making impacts all over the ice and, and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. These guys, they're, they're constantly growing, they're constantly developing and, uh, and they're also having a huge impact for us. You know, we've, uh, you know, we've talked to a few of them over the course of the last month or so, and your name inevitably comes up for a guy that often some of them have been, been playing with, but also for a guy that has sort of helped them. Tell us, well, what's your role like and how has that maybe changed over the last few seasons to where we are today? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the last few seasons, I mean, obviously early in, in my career, it was guys helping me out and just kind of showing me how things operate and kind of getting me up to speed. And so when you kind of have that foundation of, of guys willing to do that for you, it makes it easy to kind of just continue that and, and kind of pass that torch along. Um, I mean, it, I'm learning just as much from these guys as, as probably they are learning from me. I mean, it's been a, a blast. I've been playing with uh, Brad Lambert and Parker Ford pretty much all year. And and both those guys are, are great players that in their first year pro have have jumped right in and had a, a huge impact and have, have been a lot of fun to play with. They're both dynamic, dynamic forwards, both fast, both can score. And, and uh, I think we've, we've had a lot of fun kind of building some chemistry here. Lambo's got serious wheels. Um, and <laughs> I've seen a couple of the highlights of him. Well, coming out of the Calgary series in yeah. overtime. I mean, uh, that is a young man that when he gets going in open space, it's uh, tough to stop. And he does have a knack for uh, lighting the lamp in big moments. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, even that goal he scored in overtime, he pretty much had a, a carbon copy of that goal the night before in Calgary and, and, and his speed and, and sometimes his shot doesn't even get brought up very, like his shot is he's got a, he's got a, a pro shot. Like he can lean on that thing and he, he did it twice this weekend. And yeah, when he gets, you know, a full head of steam like that, it, it draws other guys to him and opens up more space for, for other guys on our line. And, and uh, I mean, yeah, the, the strides he's made, the jumps he's made already is is pretty awesome to watch. And it's been, yeah, like I said, it's just a lot of fun to play with. Tell us about Fort, because he was a guy that I don't think many people were familiar with. He signed late last year, coming out of college, and was a bit of a revelation in training camp, kind of earning spots right down to, uh, you know, the final cuts of the of the Jets being sent to Manitoba. Um, yeah. You're playing with him. Um, you know, what have you learned about him and how has he fit in with the team? Yeah, we got a little peek at him last year when he reported after after signing uh, after including his college college career. And I mean, he's he does everything. Like he's power play for us. He's penalty kill for us. He's he's all all situations. He's a buzz saw, and he just he he doesn't stop. And I think that really that really came out at training camp where where he was just kind of pushing the pace all over. And and uh, he's somebody that that gets in. He gets into battles. He he grinds. He he has no problem getting into dirty areas. It's it's really a complete game for him, and and, and uh, you know he's somebody that really adds to Lambert's speed and adds to you know our line in, in multiple ways. Uh, I also wanted to ask you about Chibrikov. He actually is right now technically the leading scorer for the Moose. I mean, you got yourself, Capo, uh, Bianco, Lambert, and Chibrikov all within three points of the lead. But you know, this is another young player just turned twenty. Um, and he's maybe a little bit different than a Lambert. I mean, maybe projects to be more middle of the lineup if he makes the NHL because while he does have an offensive punch, 
does not shy away from the corners. <laughs> What's he brought to the team? Yeah. Like you said, he's he's happy to get in the mix. He's he's ready to go in there and earn his earn his puck battles, earn win his puck battles and and come out with the thing. And yeah, he for his size, he he has no problem getting in there and he creates a lot of space just with the the physicality he brings and the grit he brings. And then yeah, I mean on the power play, he's he's somebody who sees the ice very, very well. He's he's poised with the puck. It's hard to make him flustered, it's hard to make him panic. And and he comes into the zone with with just great vision, five on five, five on four, and and yeah, somebody who's definitely been leading the way in terms of production for us. Like he's he's always somebody that's that's generating offense for us, and it and it builds momentum for our team. You know, Jeff Malotz with us talking Manitoba Moose. Uh, one other guy I wanted to um, just pick your brain on, and uh, you know what he's doing on the ice, but also how he's fit into the team is Kyle Capobianco. And Capo last year spent a lot of time eating popcorn in the press box. And I mean, like, the check's clear. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it, it, that's great. But, I mean, it's got to be tough for a guy that has played at a high level to, you know, be out of the lineup so much. Um, you know, it's a very deep defense um, core with Winnipeg with the amount of players they have here. He's now with the Moose, having a great season. Um how much fun has it been having him around? How much has he helped the club right now, um, you know, on the ice, but also being a guy that comes to the American League with that sort of uh, boost for the team? Yeah, yeah. I mean, coming down, he, his his attitude's been nothing but but great for us. He's, you know, he's somebody who's constantly working, and he's, I mean, he's made that jump before. He's made the jump from, you know, the minor leagues to the NHL, and he he knows that path. He knows the work that it takes to, to kind of make that make that jump and and he's somebody that that adds to our you know adds to our offense and to our defense you know night in and night out and i mean off the ice he's he's been great too i mean you talk about mentoring some of these young guys and and he's somebody that has no problem getting guys on board has no problem you know letting guys know what works what doesn't and and you know passing the the experience that he's gained in the last couple of years and in Arizona and Winnipeg, you know, he, he, he's doing a great job of just making sure that everybody, everybody has the best chance to win and everybody has the best chance to develop and make that jump themselves. Now, Jeff, we had to get you on because not only to get the latest on the team heading into the weekend, you guys have been busy heading into the holidays and I got to give a huge credit to the Moose staff. They come up with fun, creative content every season, but especially around this time, and you were the undoubted star of the show for this Moose Christmas video. Tell us a little bit about putting it together uh, and the behind the scenes. How long it took when you guys did it because it came out as an absolute classic. They did. Uh, our media team did a great job. And yeah, like you said, they're always they're pumping out great content. And it's it's been a lot of fun, um, you know, being being on board with with some of the stuff that they've thrown together. But yeah, I think we filmed it maybe three weeks ago, I think. And, and, uh, the media team gave us the script media team, uh, got everybody on board the night before and, and made sure we all knew our lines and everything and showed up, uh, showed up at uh, a house in Winnipeg. I think it's, uh, one of the staff members, one of the staff members place and, uh, they had the full camera crew ready, uh, ready to shoot. And they had everything broken up into scenes and, and uh yeah like some of these clips are i mean it was a great great uh great set and and everybody had a you know just a lot of fun filming it like we we're kind of nobody really like nobody's really you know in tune with any of that uh you know movie production whatever and 
And, uh, I mean, it was just a lot of fun to kind of goof around and, and, uh, you know, honestly have a night where we're just getting away from the rink, making fun of each other and, and, you know, pumping out some fun content for, for fans and everyone to see. It was, uh, it was awesome. And folks, if you have not seen it already, I mean, we'll put the link out. I mean, uh, I don't know how you could have missed it. And, uh, and it was for a great holiday gift idea for Moose fans to get some tickets and, uh, you know, the entire package, which was a great deal. Um, but I imagine as teammates, um, this is sort of something very unique and very different that you don't normally do. And if you actually have the buy-in from the guys, it can, which you obviously did, it could really turn into probably a fun sort of team activity, never mind the incredible result that comes out for fans. Yeah, no, it totally was. Everybody was was totally on board with it. And and a lot of guys have these like kind of funny, goofy roles in it where they're just kind of like either poking fun at themselves or poking fun at each other. And yeah, everybody was on board for this thing. Again, the the media team did a great job. They made it easy for us. And it uh yeah, I think it turned out great. I mean like I said, like no one's ever really done anything like this before. So to be able to kind of just goof around in front of the camera and, and kind of get into character a little bit and kind of it'd be a bit outrageous was, uh, was, yeah, it was just a, it was a lot of fun. There you see Tyrell Bauer in his uh, John McClain outfit. Uh, he was one of the, uh, definitely one of the stars. Um, but you, what, when they first came to you and said, okay, Jeff, we kind of need you to take a lead role in this. How did they how did they describe what they were doing? What were your thoughts at it? And, and how much changed as you're doing it? Because obviously nothing always ends up exactly as the way it's written down right off the bat. Yeah, honestly, uh, I wasn't really involved in the creative process. Like it was kind of show up. Here's what we got. We we wrote this script for you guys, and and um, I mean. Yeah, I mean, kudos to the media team. Like, that's it's not easy to throw that script together. Like, they're not they're not script writers or anything. Like, they they did a great job, you know, making it funny, making it interactive, and and also getting to show a little bit of the personality. Like, you get to see Christian Reichel and and get a little bit of his Czech Christmas, and then yeah, Ty Bauer doing doing the whole Die Hard bit. Like, it was awesome. Like, guys had a guys had a blast, and uh, yeah, we were really just. I think that's what helped the buy in. Like the fact that it was a fun script. I mean, they made it so easy for us. We really just had to show up and, and memorize these lines. But um, I mean, even the editing, like the editing, well, while we were doing it, it was hard to picture how it would come out in the end, but the editing looks so great. And they did, I mean, for the, the, the set, like whatever, it's just an Airbnb. Like they made that look, they made that look so great. And they made that look so festive. Like, uh, I mean, they didn't, the media team did an awesome job. How about the rookies at their little pajama <laughs> party too? I mean, will uh, will those guys all have their own Christmas card with the five of them there? Uh, if they didn't, they should have because I mean that was another just hilarious part as as Reichel educates them about a check Christmas. Yeah, I hope we get that Christmas card. I think the best part was yeah, Reich's in his his skin tight turtleneck and then Chibi's feet dangling off the top bunk. You see him right there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they did. I don't think they knew that they would be wearing these pajamas when they showed up. But yeah, I mean awesome buy-in from all these guys and they did a great job. Like you just see everybody kind of getting into character and yeah, I mean it was a blast. Now I have to ask you. I mean, you guys go, you record this whole thing, you have some fun doing it, and then they get working on it. And you guys go back to work. 
uh, what was like? What was the first viewing like? Did you guys all watch it together, like after practice? And uh... we did, yeah, yeah. It, was before, it was before practice. Actually, they call us in, and we're thinking we got a just a regular video meeting, and then we get in there. It's calling our media guy running the meeting, and we're like, "What is going? Like, what are you doing up here up at the front?" And then he's like, uh, "Guys, I got a special special presentation for you." And press play, and we all got to see it in real time, and we all got to crack up at each other. And I mean, a lot of the guys for guys that weren't they're recording that the first time they got to see that was like you know they got a little context for a lot of the jokes that we'd been making over the last week or so and and uh i mean cool just for everybody to get to you know kind of have a good laugh and poke fun at each other for you know the obvious acting lack of acting skills and everything so i mean that they definitely did a good job with that kind of uh with the uh the debut or the uh you know the first viewing for everybody the director's cut well, the uh, the moose the package is on sale right now. Uh, we've got some home games coming up on Friday and Saturday, and then uh, and then heading into the holidays. Um, it's been a nice season so far for you personally. Um, what the what are the holiday plans? You, do, do you get how much time are you guys uh, able to get away? And are you staying in the peg or heading back home? We'll fit a couple days in. I think we I think we we finish on the twenty third, and then we're back in Winnipeg morning of the 24th so we'll get i think the 24th to the 27th and yeah i'm just a quick flight to toronto so i'll get home see some family everybody be in town there and then uh get a quick little reset and come back on the 27th you know uh, uh by the way i should mention um the uh, speaking of the holidays the uh holiday game is on sunday afternoon 2 p.m and none other you want to talk about a special guest the most special guest None other than Mr. Santa Claus is going to be there. So, uh, gang, if you want to bring the kids out and get some pictures with Santa and uh, see the moose do their thing, that is the uh, place to be on well, on Friday. But the, the, the Christmas game is Sunday. And then they, uh, a quick roadie to Chicago, a couple games in Iowa, and then uh, and then a few days off. Hey, speaking of the holidays and family and getting together, how's uh, how's your bro doing these days for for folk, maybe for people that just know you that aren't familiar with Mike, fill people in a little bit on uh, on your brother and what he's up to these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mike, uh, Mike's three and zero in the UFC right now. He's doing great. We, uh, me and Johnny Kovacevic, a former former Moose, former Jet, and uh, Nick Jones, we all went and uh, stayed with Jansen Harkins in in BC in the summer and and got to catch one of Mike's fights in the. In the Rogers Center there, and and uh, have kind of an awesome week celebrating that that incredible performance on his behalf, and uh, and then he's got a fight coming up January twentieth. He's get he's getting a fight in Toronto. He's getting a hometown fight, and I mean two fights on UFC Canadian cards is like I mean having one of them on a Canadian card would be like a, a highlight of a career. And he gets to gets to fight back to back in Canada. I mean he loves he loves representing the country so much. He loves Canadian MMA. He loves being an advocate and. And and somebody that helps kind of uh, you know build build MMA in Canada and and he's uh, he's in the thick of camp right now. He's got a couple of weeks left here and uh, you know he's feeling great. He's ready to ready to perform and ready to ready to have an awesome show in Canada. Tell us about I mean that that BC card for folks that you know maybe don't follow it closely um, was in a lot of ways the return of Canada to UFC because I mean you know you have GSP and some some stars earlier on. That had gone a little quieter for a few years, and the Canadians stepped up and showed out, led by your brother, who certainly, from my vantage point, seems to be, you know, in a lot of ways, one of the real faces of Canadian MMA right now, and was a uh, a huge star that night. 
yeah, amazing night for Canadian mixed martial arts. I think they went six and zero, oh, um, wrapped up with with Mike on on that main card, and they all performed so great to see the the entire arena just behind every Canadian Canadian athlete was was awesome, and it was all week. It was weigh-ins, and it was it was at the press conference. Like you could just see the energy. People had been waiting a long time for for the UFC to come back to Canada, and and I think they were obviously encouraged to keep bringing it back to Canada because of how great of a performance it was by all the athletes. Uh, I have to ask you, just uh, you know, as a brother, like I remember watching, you know, my brother play hockey, you know, or a, you know, a big game, and you know, you're nervous, you want them to do well. It's got to be a little different considering the stakes. What is it like watching your brother go into the octagon and fight in the UFC? Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. It's like there's really no other type of emotion. Like I, there's nothing to get like anything hockey related doesn't get me wound up like that. It doesn't, it doesn't give me the same nerves. It doesn't give me the same jitters. It's, it's wild. That's somebody, that's somebody that you know and love and you, you support wholeheartedly in there in a, in a, in a dangerous situation and, and lucky for, for our family as viewers, Mike is, has been quite successful in the octagon and, and it's been, it's been fun to watch, but I think like, I mean, it's been even cooler. You get more out of it knowing how much he's put into it getting to watch him throughout the summers when I'm home and, and watch the training that he puts in kind of get a little behind the scenes action. It, it, you know how much he's invested into this fight and, uh, and it really kind of, you know, gives you a, a good appreciation and allows you to invest a little more even further. But uh, I mean, I don't know how my, my mom does it. I don't know how my mom watches. It's crazy. Um, again, like I said, luckily he's done, he's done incredibly well and uh, he'll continue to do so. But yeah, no matter yeah, there's no replicating it. Like when he's walking in there and especially being in in the arena watching him walk in is is a whole another layer of nerves added to it, but yeah, it's it's cool. It's cool for sure. Uh, well, I mean, now uh, hopefully you can get another big win in front of the hometown crowd on January 20th. You guys will be playing in Grand Rapids that night and uh I imagine will you be able to pull it off like last time where you have the viewing or maybe if it's late enough, will you actually be able to see it live once your game's done? I'm hoping we'll be able to catch it live. Yeah. 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 I'm sure the media team again, like last time when we watched his, his debut in Chicago, set it up for us. Hopefully they can kind of uh, have a little setup, a little viewing party ready for us post game. But I think I'm, I'm hoping it'll be late enough to where we get to watch it live. I mean, there's uh, there's nothing like being on that main card in the UFC on home soil. Uh, they stole the show in Vancouver, and hopefully they can do it again. And then you got to work on it to get a nice summer spot like last summer where uh, you and some of the fellas can go uh, watch him as well. Where did he get his nickname, Proper Mike Malott, from? Proper. So he was down he was down in California, actually at Team Alpha Male. So that's the that's the gym he was down at in uh, in Sacramento. And uh, Uriah Faber, UFC legend, uh, I think the story goes, uh, Uriah was coaching and they were drilling and uh, I think Uriah called a water break or whatever and and Mike kept drilling, I guess, and he's, I think he kind of just threw out like, hey, Mike, you're always keeping it proper. Like, you know, maybe that's what we'll call you, like proper Mike. And I think that's that's how it's stuck. And now it's it makes so much sense. Like he's just like a just a polite Canadian dude who's who's always hitting people with the compliment sandwich and and he's he's he backs it up with the 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 proper technique and and he's yeah he's just like i think he just loves the sport he doesn't get caught up in the you know 
showing off or the the ego of it all. He's just he's really there to you know perform at 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 his peak and get the most out of himself as an athlete and and get the most out of Canadian MMA. Well, I, I got to tell you, uh, the Malott brothers, uh, very popular here in Winnipeg. We're all cheering for him when he's in the octagon, and uh, obviously you have become. Are you the alpha male of the moose? Oh no, 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 no! That's that's diehard. That's Ty Bauer, I think. But uh, yeah, that that title—I don't think that title's up for grabs. <laughs> hey, Jeff, listen. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. We always love having you on the program. Tons of great comments in the chat on both your work on the ice and in front of the camera. Great job to you and the fellas with that great video. And uh, good luck on the weekend. We'll look forward to seeing you guys do it up at home Friday night and Sunday afternoon for the holiday game. And uh, I hope you and the entire family have a wonderful Christmas. And uh, we'll look forward to getting you back on. We got to get you and Mike on together at some point. After after he comes up with a big win in January 20, we'll be in touch on the let's make that work. I think people would love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be wicked. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. Right right on. Good luck on the weekend, dude. Thanks again, and happy holidays. Awesome. Thanks, you too, guys. There it is. Jeff Malott, Manitoba Moose. What a great conversation that was. He is uh, was always one of our faves, but that was uh, that was just a great, great conversation. Thanks to, uh, to Mike for coming on. All right. Hey, um, our friends at Little Brown Jug are ready for the holidays. And guess what, folks? You have heard me mention probably many times how much we enjoy the new generic lager that um, Little Brown Jug threw, uh, um, launched in the summer. And we had, had it at the ballpark, and obviously we've been enjoying it games. And it is the perfect lighter beer, closer to what many that you would remember, uh, what you would think of a domestic beer, but locally made and even better. And uh, they got some great deals on right now for Little Brown Jug heading into the holidays. Uh, You can pop by your local beer vendor or get down to Little Brown Jug. Eight packs of the big cans are just $19.99 and 473 milliliter singles are just $2.99. You can grab the single cans at the brewery. And by the way, great deal right now if you do go down to the brewery, buy any 12 cans and... Get a $15 gift card for free to enjoy your favorite beers on tap at Little Brown Jug. But keep an eye out for generic eight packs at $19.99 at your local beer store or Manitoba Liquor Marts and make it an LBJ Christmas with a trip down to Little Brown Jug sometimes during the holidays. Speaking of Christmas, why don't you add a W uh, a uh, DQ? ice cream cake to your holiday festivities this year. And you know who can help you out with that? Our great friends, Nick and Nikki, sponsors of Winnipeg Sports Talk since day one. They've got the DQ on Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and you can get a custom cake made up, ready to go by hitting them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Send them a pic if you want and get it ready for a quick and easy pickup at one of the Nick and Nikki DQs. And of course, while you're there, grab a blizzard, one of those delicious stack burgers and more. I mean, if you're in the Niverville area, they've also just opened up the brand new Pita Pit. Healthy, fresh, delicious, fast Pita Pit. So good. Also great catering options. So if you do need catering for an event coming up, hit Nick and Nikki up either on Twitter or Insta at Pita Pit Niverville. And they would love to help you out. And hey, tomorrow, I'm looking forward to our next edition of It Takes a Community to Play with Sport Manitoba. 
Vlastic's Cherney, the uh, legendary swimming coach. Now, at U of M, Olympian, Olympic coach. He's going to jump on. But again, getting involved in sport can uh, help you and help so much. Head to Sport Manitoba for opportunities in the community of how you can help the games go on. Um, all right, let's get Remo back in here. Remo, how good was Jeff Malott? One of my faves. Great talking with Jeff. Uh, always fun having him on the show. Um, look, the Moose, uh, they got two games here this weekend. And we've talked about uh, that Christmas video, or if you haven't seen it, uh, sorry, I say holiday video. We don't offend anyone, but uh, it's on the Manitoba Moose uh, YouTube page. Interesting to hear how that went down. I know a lot of people in chat asking about his brother who's in the UFC. I can't imagine going, you know, we, watching the event and TV is one thing, Huss, but uh, yeah, going there in person and his mom, you know, watching as well. Uh, gotta be tough, but hey, thankfully, uh, Mike's a pretty good fighter and he's uh, fought his way up to the main card on UFC as they uh, do make the return to Canada here. So, uh, great talking with Jeff. I love Dennis's uh, LA perspective on the matchup tonight, and Murad always always brings it as well. So, a lot, a lot to get, a lot to get to. And there's a couple more things I see people in chat asking us about as well. We did have this poll uh, as I shut it down. Uh, 57% of the people think uh, Declan Chisholm should be the Jets' sixth sixth defenseman tonight. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure that they that 57% will get their wish, mm-hmm. but that's sort of what I figured. And let me guess, poor Big Stan, probably on the wrong end of, uh, of that uh, poll for the why not question of the day today. Yeah, 8% of the 273 uh selected big Stan in as number six defenseman. And that's what we're talking about here, but, you know, a number of people saying, hey, let's, you know, we don't need to talk about the sixth defenseman here. Like, what, how much, what are they going to contribute at? Like, you know, 10, 12, maybe 14 minutes a night. Let's talk about this power play that went 0 for 5 yesterday and sunk them again. I mean, how many games is that where – you know, special teams has been the difference. We keep saying that. Uh, going back to the Dallas game with the five on threes. And again, 0 for 5 against San Jose. Passing around the perimeter, Huss. You don't get points for uh, holding on to the puck. Got to find a way to get to the net, get those shots. Maybe trying to be a bit too perfect. And it's going to be a tough, a tough one tonight against the LA Kings, who've been very, very strong. And uh, what have we got? Uh, you know, <laughs> what did I put in, in the notes here? We got Velarde versus Lazat, uh, the Jet PLD revenge game. And uh, it said Hellbuck versus Cam Talbot, who's been good. Talbot's been unreal this year. Yeah. Like, and uh, I know I'll I'm going to take Hellbuck, though. I'll take Hellbuck. I know I'm going to the buffet, <laughs> but Dennis mentioned a comment that Gabe Velarde made about the Kings, and I didn't remember this as well, but I Googled it, and it came up on an LA Kings Discord forum where there was a lot of comments about it, so maybe it did. I didn't take this as, like, offensive to, uh, you know, LA fans, but here's the quote Mike McIntyre. They got from, triggered? They got, people got triggered from this. Uh, on June 28, I guess it was one of his introductory press conferences, Mike McIntyre tweeted out, I asked... NHL Jets gave Velarde if he's excited to play in a Canadian market. And the quote was, I'd be lying 
not to say, but in LA, they're not big hockey fans out there. Obviously, they have Kings fans there that come to the games and are loyal, but it's different being in Canada. You do miss it. And I've been to games in, I've been to a game in LA. I was really impressed with the fans that were there. I think Gabe's just saying, like, it's not like every single person in LA is a hockey fan. I don't think that's shot at the fans. It's just what it is. And here, I think you would say more, you know, more percentage of people here uh, are Jets fans than LA are Kings fans. I don't think that's, I don't think that's an offensive statement. No, it's not. Uh, it, yeah, no, it's not but, a, an outrageous statement. But people take it the way they want to take it, and um, obviously there was plenty of Kings fans that were bent. So it'll be interesting to see what he has to say uh, and how what they have to say when Velarde and I follow come back tonight. I think they were both quite popular players while they were there. Um, Jets tonight, let's head over to the cool bet lines. Jets are plus 157 underdogs, and the Kings are plus or minus 186 favorites. The total for the game is five and a half, very low, low one. But, hey, let's just get right to the revenge narrative. What's a Velarde goal tonight? Plus 295. He's on PP1, Remo. He's yes. playing with Shifley and with Ehlers on the top line. He's going to get the opportunity. And I know there'll be money on the board tonight. It would be nice if he could take his own money off and not have to give it out. I don't know. I think we got to put a little something on a Velarde goal tonight. 100%. I've been putting on Velarde the last bit. Um him and uh, Ehlers were pretty cheap on DraftKings, I guess, because they got bumped up to the top and they were in second-line role before. So I'm happy to keep riding with them. You bet on opportunity, and playing on the top power play, uh, top line gives him that. So, uh, yes, I think that's too cheap considering. This t- plus 290 line for Dubois, I don't know about that one, though. That's a guy getting third-line minutes, third-line center. Uh, He's, uh, I, I don't know. Will he be engaged tonight? Like, which Pierre-Luc Dubois will show up? Um, probably a little different than uh, Game 3 when uh, they came here to uh, to Winnipeg. Um, but, yeah, Dubois is plus 290, Velarde plus 295. Let's not forget about Alex Iafalo. He's due. He had a bunch of goals early on. I think he's 17 straight without a goal, playing in a fourth-line role. But if you do want to jump on AI... He's at plus 430. Um, other games in the NHL tonight, the uh, Penguins are in Montreal. Habs have owned Pittsburgh for the last couple years. I still like Pittsburgh at minus 154, but certainly the trends say otherwise. The Boston Bruins are in New Jersey. No Pavel Zaka tonight. And that has made the Devils a minus 133 favorite. Boston at plus 113. A number that kind of looked fishy right off the bat, but I think there are some reasons why we're seeing more action come in on New Jersey tonight. Uh, the Ducks are in Long Island to take on the Islanders. Anaheim plus 164, Islanders minus 195. I'm actually going to sprinkle in the puck line on this one. Islanders minus one and a half at plus 133, and then the Buffalo Sabres are in Colorado. Take on the Avalanche. The Avalanche, minus 193, and Buffalo, plus 163. That's come down quite a bit from uh, from earlier in the day. And then, as I mentioned, that Jet game tonight. So uh, get on over to Cool Bet. Oh, we did do an exclusive, and I don't normally put the Jets on these. And Dusty rarely puts Edmonton on either. We usually kind of go with neutral. But Rob Z 
in the chat was throwing out all of these trends and stats. They'd say the Jets were going to win this game tonight. So we allowed Rob Z from the chat to get in on the partner parlay. I'm not taking responsibility for this, but I hope we're giving Rob big props tomorrow on the lock shop for being so adamant about the Jets tonight. But here's how the partner parlay looks. Islanders to win in regulation, Avalanche to win, and the Jets to win. That is up at plus 675. Uh, nice little boost because it came in at, I think, about plus 620. So Islanders to beat the Ducks in reg, Colorado to beat Buffalo, Winnipeg to beat L.A., plus 675 over in the cool bet exclusives. Um, Hey, Remo, before we finish up, why don't we play clip five? Uh, a little uh, little extra get you ready for the game tonight. Perfetti uh, talked about the upcoming game against the Los Angeles Kings with a 9 o'clock puck drop tonight at Crypto.com Arena. It's a new game. Um, get this one out of the way and uh, not think about it. And, um, you know, LA's a great team and top team in the conference, so we're going to be, uh, it's going to be tough, tough sledding, and we're going to, you know, really have to put our, our work boots on and, and work really hard, and it's all about just getting good recovery tonight and, um, you know, look at the good from tonight, what we could take from it, uh, you know, clean up our mistakes, and, you know, it's going to be a different game tomorrow night. It's going to be a different style, and they play a little bit different, so it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun. It's just, uh, just got to bring that team. You know, we worked hard tonight. Like, we, the, the, effort, the effort's there. It's just now puck's got to go in the net, and, you know, LB played great. Like, it's, it's not on him. It's not on our team defense. It's just we got to get the puck in the net. Yeah, there was a Cole Perfetti uh, after the game last night, looking ahead to tonight against the Kings, and I, I can't say I disagree with them. I thought they really worked. I mean, uh, after a slower start, they were all over them for the majority of the game. Um, Laurent Brossois was brilliant last night, helped them out in some big moments, just weren't able to get the goals. But uh, he'd be a guy I'll be looking at tonight, Remo, because he seems to be getting more and more comfortable and more and more effective on a game-by-game basis. And I don't know. We'll see whether maybe Kenny's prediction comes true in the next little while to see if Perfetti plays with Shifley a little bit. In the meantime, though, it'll be Velarde and Nikolai Ehlers. And that line, as Marat laid out, you know, really was all over the uh, over the Sharks last night. They just couldn't get one uh, past uh, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood. Yeah, Perfetti's uh, having a great season, has really building off that rookie campaign last year, what, 0.59 points per game this year, uh, 0.70. And, uh, yeah, he's been a big part of this team. He's playing power play one now. And with Kyle Connor out, you're going to rely on him and just about everyone else for more scoring. And Perfetti, he's kind of become a go-to to give an honest assessment of the game and he yeah. played the clip of the power play. You were talking about the power play earlier, and he's like, look, you know, like we played well, controlled play. We couldn't score. LB was great. Um, Ton S, we got to figure out how to get more goals. Like, you can't score. Not going to win too many games uh, scoring one goal, and it would be very classic Winnipeg Jets here if on a back-to-back, what, they lose the one that you think they're going to win, and they win the one you think they're going to lose. I feel like we've seen that before from them, and Maybe they were uh, looking ahead too far to the L.A. game last night coming out flat-footed to start. And, you know, they did recover, but 0 for 5 on the power play. Yeah, the uh, the PP rough. the PP was definitely uh, definitely an issue. 
Uh, oh, and by the way, thank you, One Bird. I don't know why I've been saying nine o'clock all night. It, it's nine thirty again. Yes. I thought the Sharks. I thought the Sharks were the only team uh, on the West Coast that played the uh, the nine thirty games, but obviously, um, it's the Kings as well. Mm-hmm. So, once again, uh, if you need it, get a nap in a little earlier. And um, this is, I believe, only the second time the Jets have played back to backs this season. Um, but I believe they're five and zero in their last five. Second game of back to backs dating back to last year. So hopefully they can keep that rolling. Wow, yeah, and uh, it's it is on TSN. And I know usually Wednesday is the uh, what national Sportsnet night. Sportsnet showing Pittsburgh, Montreal at six and at nine. Buffalo, Colorado. Maybe they moved it to nine thirty. Give it to TSN. I have no idea. Who can figure out? This schedule, a lot of people very mad as we wind the show down. A lot of people very mad online last night. ESPN did it right. They had the Connor Bedard versus Connor McDavid. ESPN, national in the U.S. What do we get here in Canada, Huss, on Sportsnet 1, Calgary, Vegas? I mean, very good game. But people want to see Connor versus Connor and... People will take any chance they can to dump on the NHL's marketing. I don't know if you saw that Connor Bedard goal. I mean, that wow. was absolutely ridiculous release. Like, in his feet, just like in a blink of an eye in the top of the corner. I don't even know how he got it off that quickly. Uh, but I'll take a second here to uh, shred on the NHL's national broadcast schedule. There is a center ice package available, everybody. Just saying. Hey, I mean, I was watching it, but I got to tell hey, one of them – Hey, want to uh, get those national games out there? I mean, NFL does it right with the uh, the getting their top games and prime time. Got to grow the game, hustler. Come on. Um, one thing about growing the game as we move on, <laughs> as we move on. Uh, I don't disagree. By the way, I was just having fun. Oh, okay, okay. I thought I thought you you did uh, no. D- disagree. No, I'm not. I'm not a salesperson for NHL Center Ice. Okay, but there um, always is a way to see it. I know we're winding down. You probably want to want me to wrap it up, but uh, this NHL skills competition, bit of a different look for yes. this year. Has, um, what are they going to have? 12 people only, not like everyone from every team in multiple events. There's a $1 million prize. They're going to compete. Each player will compete in, what, six of the eight events. And with you know points being handed out, they're trying to make it like a decathlon of hockey with the winner getting a $1 million prize. Sorry, they'll compete in four of the six events. Here are the events. Fastest skater, hardest shot, uh, stick handling, one-timers, passing challenge, accuracy, shooting, first place worth five, second place worth four. I think this is great. Uh, I think it's been clear. I mean, the last last couple years that the skills competition, it's taken a step back. I think the players... No, no, no one really wanted to do the fastest skater. They had that breakaway challenge, which was gimmicky. They had some of these other gimmicky pre-recorded events. We want to see these guys skill. We want to see them put on a show. We want to see legit competition. Yes, we want to see a real competition and an effort. So one million dollars on the line. I don't know. They're gonna pick twelve guys. So I'm sure a few Toronto guys will get in. But this, I want to tune in for. I want to see. I want to see this. Rather than what we've seen uh, the last couple of years, it wasn't it wasn't good. I grew up loving the skills. It seemed like they cared. 
seemed like they tried and they had events that showed off their skill. I don't think they have done that the last couple of years. So credit to them for making a change and putting some big cash online. One million dollars. Winner take all. Winner yeah. take all for this. So uh love it. I, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm looking forward to it. And I guess we'll wait to see who will be the 12 contestants that will be uh, that will be waking and making it happen. And Bobby B says in chat, anything for the goalies? It doesn't seem like it seems like the goalies didn't really want to do much because they don't want to get hurt. But the ending is like a, a shootout where the player gets to pick the goalie they have to shoot on. And I'm curious how that's, that's going to work. So they are really changing up. I mean, they're going back to the NHL All-Star draft this year. I wonder what it means for the teams because I've felt like the way the teams with the divisions really, like if you had a good team, it really limited how many all-stars you could have because like you had to have a certain number of forwards and D from each division. So for a team like the Jets, who've had a number of good players, you'd have people who didn't make the team because what, I don't know, their division was too stacked or the configuration didn't work well, out does, with the is other every teams. Team still get, is every team still Probably, getting an all-star? Probably. So I mean, the minute that happens, you got thirty-two guys already taken, and then everybody else. So mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see how that goes down. But um, but yeah, that's uh, that. We'll kind of focus in on that in twenty twenty-four tonight. It's the end of the road trip. The return of Velarde and Ayafalo to L.A. Another visit with P.L.D. and Connor Hellebuck going head to head with Cam Talbot. Two of the top goalies this year in the National Hockey League. Big thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen every day. Uh, Jeff Malott, who's just phenomenal. Uh, Dennis Bernstein, Murata Tesh. AEW fans, don't forget, pre-sale is on right now. Use the code AEWWPG. If you want to get in right now, up until 10 o'clock before general on-sale happens, and join us tomorrow for a chance to win AEW tickets. Um, And hey, get on the mailing list too. We've got some moose tickets to give away for the weekend, which we will do as well. For Michael Rivas, I'm Andrew Patterson. Enjoy the game tonight and join us tomorrow, 1 p.m. right here on WST. Oh my God! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.